Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. Get in, losers. This is the Lady Killers, a feminine rage podcast. I'm Jen. I'm Sammy. I'm Rocco. And I'm May. Our podcast is a tribute to the female-identifying killers in horror and more. Each episode will feature us, your Supreme Court of female murderers, discussing our favorite lady killers, from your Julias and Jennifers to your Carries and Christines. We'll tell her story, decide if it's good for her horror, and answer the most important question of all. Would we die for her? Join us on Thursdays as we pull on our sweaters, snatch our ice picks, sharpen our scissors, and honor the lady killers who live on the silver screen. No boys were harmed in the making of this podcast. Yet. (laughs) Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. New Year, constant listeners, and welcome back to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast presented by Bloody FM, the number one, and I do mean number one horror podcast network that's out there. I'm your host, Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman, ready to kick off the first episode of 2023 and the first episode of season seven, Lucky Number Seven. Anyone remember that one? Uh, Star my, my oh, boo, Josh Harnett, uh, who probably has, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, s- some sort of papers against me after what I've said on the faculty and God knows how many of us said. But uh, so let, let me get this straight. So by my count, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we've been doing this now for six years. Six years. It's a pretty long time. How long? Well, I did this last year and I'm going to do this again 
mostly because I went back to the script from last year and rewrote <laughs> it for this one. So I decided this is a good bit. I'm going to do it again. So what does six years mean? Well, it's certainly more than half a decade because we were all marveling last year that, oh my God, I can't believe it. We've been doing this for five years. That's half a decade. That's, that's a long time. Well, six years is more than half a decade. And that means it's now 2,191 <laughs> days, 52,593 hours, 3,155,580 minutes, and 189 334,800 seconds. Cue the rent song. I know. I'm singing seasons of pod, yeah. pod. Yeah, I, more time I, I, I can't even do it. I can't, I, I, I can't do it. I'm not a... Who's the guy, who's the guy that was in uh, Days and Confused? He's in that, right? Anthony he's, Rapp. Anthony, Anthony Rapp, Rapp, yeah. I love that the whole Anthony movie Rapp. is about, like, he's making this brilliant film, and then at the end, it's you see the movie that he's been making the whole movie, and it's just fucking footage of him and his friends. Exactly, not, yeah. yeah. It's like... Not uh, good. <laughs> Well, that's kind of like a reality bites when when Ona Ryder is like, "Hey, here's my documentary," and then like what they do when the movie is actually not bad, like it's kind of like just the real world. Oh yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it contradicts it's a little, itself. Little, the, the Ben Stiller a little weird, actually. Better. Uh, yeah, it might be. Uh, Never look, show the 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 work of art, you know. I know it's mm. not a good idea, but so anyway, look, I I just rattle off all those numbers, and granted, not all that time has been behind the mic. I, I can't say it is. But it does feel that way, especially when you're running a weekly podcast. And for the last three years, we've not only been running a weekly podcast, but we've also been doubling up at times, almost tripling up on Patreon content. So, you know, it does feel like those like those that the, the time has weighed on our shoulders in a way. And that and then when I read those numbers, it, it you know, it kind of seems legit. But I still don't know if it proves the Malcolm Gladwell theory for ourselves but i think we're just going to go with it i'm i'm going to go with it i'm i think six years in i think we could say that we're experts i think we i think we are at experts at this um and look 2023 is only going to add more time to our respective resumes here and you're no doubt going to hear all about season seven today because that's what we're going to be doing we're going to be talking all about what you can expect from us the losers club in 2023 but the good news is I've talked your head off this entire time, as you just heard when we were talking about when we were rapping about rap. I'm not the only expert here sh- shining my CV <laughs> in 2023. <laughs> so why don't we go ahead? We all know Caffrey's the only one on this podcast who still listens to CDs. Mm. No, no, I was saying CV, CV, like a, a, a curriculum. Oh, I think you said vitae. CDs, like uh, that you would listen like, to, like CDs Dr. Dre on or the Rent yeah. soundtrack. Um, yeah. So, or Davis and Confused soundtrack, Volume One and Two. I, I have both was, of those CDs, and there were there were two volumes for that. It wasn't. It wasn't I just. Think okay. so, yeah, there okay. were two. Yeah, I think Train Spotting has a second one too, and mm-hmm. so does Romeo and Juliet. And I remember getting oh, that, the second yeah. one and, and, and loving it because they had instruments. Everclear's and, got a song on there. Well, Everclear is also one of your favorite bands, Randall. Um, it's and true. I was going to introduce you as this. This is what I had written down: from Chicago down the street, like Cheap Trick, and carrying just as many guitars as Robin Zander. Uh, Randall, say hello and tell us if seven is your lucky number. <laughs> it is, but uh, you got to change the reference. You got to get Cheap Trick out of there and get Everclear in there. Yeah, um, I should have. I should have said, but they're not. They're not a, a Chicago band, though. They're probably from like I don't they're know, a Portland like band. Delaware. Oh, they are Portland, <laughs> Delaware. <Okay. laughs> I just figured they're in Delaware. You're, yeah, same thing. Um, yeah, Rock and Randall here. Happy to be here. Happy to be in our sixth year, seventh season. This is crazy. I can't believe it. Uh, I love doing this pod. I love all of you guys. And um, let's rock.
Well, is seven your lucky number or not? No. <laughs> okay, I don't have a lucky l- number. I'm not a fucking freak. <laughs> oh, I get, you got no. Han Solo over here. I don't do astrology. Justin or and I aren't shit. telling our lucky numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Maybe your lucky number is uh, 666 because you're a fucking demon over here. Yeah, uh, that, I think that's all a good this. one. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're still enjoying <laughs> doing the Losers Club podcast. I'm glad it. that we've done this for s- six years. I mean, I was trying to think about this. If we think about six years, so 1977, Star Wars comes out. 1983, Return of the Jedi comes out. We've now done the full, we've run the full gamut of the original Star Wars trilogy in terms of production timeline. It's pretty cool. It's pretty good. I got to say, if I'm a kid. weird way to measure that time. You know, I'm trying to think of another way to do it that would maybe be well for you. That's Um, that's the only way to measure six years. (laughs) It's the only way to do it. Well, we do it. 7783. Well, you just heard him. Also yep. from Chicago and as tall as 23 himself. And I'm not talking about the year. You know what I'm I mean? T- <laughs> Justin, say hello and tell us where you stand on lucky numbers. Are you, you believe in luck, don't you? Oh, you know I do. And I'm not just talking about HBO's luck. Uh, this mm. is Justin, Juniper Hill Gerber, hashtag. Uh, I guess you, you say I'm a hashtag Harney for Hartnett. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, I'm a Harney. huge... Sub- <laughs> Har- yes, hashtag Harney for Hartnett. Please remember that going Harney forward. Harney for Hartnett? <laughs> Harney for Hartnett. Can um, you do your best, Josh Harnett? Like when he's Michael Myers. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do. I'll do it right now. All right. Um, <laughs> start complaining about Michael Myers being alive. Well, you know, it's, it's you can't just go off an off-campus lunch, John. You're not uh, allowed you, to get a little off-campus, off-campus lunch. <laughs> mom, mom, mom. Michael Myers is dead. <laughs> there you go. So good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, my lucky number is seven. Oh wow. Okay. Well, interesting. Is it really lucky seven, or is this a good bit? I don't, how do you find out your lucky number? What is this? I really I don't know. It's something that you gravitate to. It's got to be something that you see in the stars. Really, you like, know what? I will say, I feel like the number, the number uh, twenty three. Yeah, which strangely enough is this year. Yeah, because uh, Ryan Sandberg was my favorite player growing up. Twenty three, mm-hmm. played for the Chicago Cubs. Michael Jordan was twenty three, played for the Chicago Bulls. I'm in Chicago. LeBron 23. James. Oh, and me. LeBron James, great player. I mean, he's, you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but he's also he, like seventeen different uniform numbers. He know? has. He the, was the six. Pure 23s, okay. Okay. How about lo- the number twenty three? Do you like, the, or is that? What's the, <laughs> I was, I was trying to think. I'm like, there's. Is that Jim Carrey? Here. It's yes. a Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. Or was that so number twenty six? Like Jim Carrey and number twenty three. They've yeah. always said I'm as paranoid as Jim Carrey and 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 the fraught relationship with Joel Schumacher that I have yeah. with Joel Schumacher <laughs> because I also I'm I'm probably most famous despite all the stuff I wrote for years and years. I'm definitely most famous or infamous. For my famous, takedown famous. of Saint Elmo's Fire, directed by Joel Schumacher. You so, are. Yeah. Here we go. Google yeah. Saint Elmo's yeah. Fire. Justin Gerber. People are really upset. They didn't get the the yeah. sax sex joke at the beginning of the movie. No, um, but you would. But you like the sax joke uh, that that is that is in nine, number twenty three because you're playing the sax now. Um, you have yeah. the sax behind you. You're gonna smoke cigarettes. It's gonna be like neo noir. You know, by, people think by it, way I'm of paying saw. homage. People think I'm paying homage to the conversation, but I am paying homage to the number 23. So there you go. You know what? I never thought about that. Is the number 23 supposed to be like an homage to the conversation where he, that's the reason why he's playing saxophone in his apartment? You know what? All joking aside, I, I will probably never see the number 23. <laughs> it's not good. I saw it opening day and it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was garbage. Grim. It was but as I'm, you would I'm say, go garbage. Ahead and assume that that's, that is. That's paying homage. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I watched uh, a Gene Hackman flick over the, a Gene's pick uh, last week. I watched uh, <laughs> Hoosers. No, no saxophone when he was in Indiana though. So uh, what only if the, basketball. the movie ended right when? No, spoiler alert: when they win, and just cuts to him on the bench playing the saxophone. 
And they cut back to the, the guy as so they cut back to him again. The sax is gone. He's celebrating. Like that would yeah. be pretty fun, right? Yeah, it would be like kind of like the middle chapter between the conversation and a sequel, Enemy of the State. That's right. Anyway, speaking of states, let's go down to Nashville. Nice. Jen, this is now your fourth year mm. with the show. For you, is it the years, the miles, as uh, Indiana Jones says in, uh, I believe, Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark? Oh, man. Hey, this is Jen to the Rage Adams. Hashtag Josh Hartnett also has a restraining order against me. So yeah. you're in good Michael company. Michael Myers. <laughs> Is dead. Also, I didn't sleep Harney, with her. Harney for Hartnett. <laughs> Harney for Hartnett. See, you What's guys it, have it? restraining orders against you because you're Harney for him. I have mm. one against me because I, I want to kick his ass. Hey, oh, easy, wow. easy, easy. Whoa. We talked it, about this. <laughs> not my for, boyfriend. Over what? Was, were you not like upset? Is it the hat? The hat hair? Uh, yeah, he also... He stole my girlfriend when I was in high school. Is that oh, true? Oh, did he? He yeah. stole a lot of oh, wow. people's girlfriends yeah. when he was in high school. Honestly, yeah. he's still stealing a lot of people's girlfriends. Uh-huh. He'll just and walk boyfriends, in. apparently, too. That's yep. true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just a good looking guy. And I know Jen appreciates this because. Oh, yes. He, and it's not a sweater thing. And it's not. I know you think his hair is funny, but like I it, it's certainly just him. He, he's got hey, an aura. I'll comb it for him. Oh, yeah. He, he's definitely got an aura. Yes. Yeah. And well, my I, restraining, I enjoy it very much. Yes. Our restraining order just absolutely tripled down because I know. This is it the got extended episode. another seven years. Yeah. God, so much fucking harnet talk. Um, well, <laughs> I was I was trying to think if he has literally any Stephen King connection. And no. the answer is no. I don't think he no. does. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think he was attached to Doom McKee in 2009. He was no, even like joking. a cha- chapel um, weight or something like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be in chapel weight season two when Epic signs him. I guarantee he's um, chapel weight season know, we two. We got him. Now. He's like Brody's, Brody's son or something. Um, Ooh, Jen, lucky number. Um. I don't know. I well now I feel like a child for having a lucky number. No, <laughs> no. I'm just being um, a brat. No, I know. I like I like thirteen and I like six six six. I like the evil numbers. Oh I wow! Like to, like, All right. Turn them like because I was like you know for a long time like if a penny was heads down I was like super superstitious and then yeah. I just started not being superstitious and saying fuck it and like using the bad luck as good luck to feed my power. So you know. Do you get upset when you go to hotels and there's no thirteenth floor? You're like, what's the deal here? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. What's the deal? I actually have not been to a hotel that was more than two stories in I don't know how long. So, yeah. yeah. I want to say that when we went to Nashville um, back in our last summer, um, hot time, by the way, hot time in the city. Oh, yeah. It, Y'all came it, when it was like it was 99 fucking degrees. Miserable. I, I like got like heat sores all over my body. But um, I, heat I don't. Sores. Trash can man here. Trash can I, was, man I was sitting there just being like, Ugh. I like walked into Were the hotel. transporting a nuclear floor. missile across I was, the desert. I was in like skins Excuse like me. lipping off. And Sammy's just like, uh, can we have just taken a, uh, you know, a, fl- a flight or something? But anyway. Right. And um, then the Dolly Parton waitress was like, hey, hey, y'all. Hey, y'all I got, got heat sores. I got. You look like you could use a cold glass of water. Oh, hey, honey. Hey, oh, sugar. Those are taking the heal themselves. You know, I got made f- some some really uh, cool guy at the Dolly Parton uh, bar made fun of my uh, girl drink. Uh, and I, I, oh, yeah, I guess you're carrying this story. Yeah. I felt it's like I was story. in the, the kids in the hall sketch, the girl drink drunk. And you know what? I'm OK to being a girl drink drunk because it's a fun. Mm-hmm. They're fun drinks and they taste good. So, you yeah, know. exactly. Look, drinks, got, no clearly no it doesn't bother you. Say. 
Well, um, it's cool. I checked in the newspaper the next day, and it seems like the guy walked off the the balcony. So it seems like <laughs> oh yeah, good. he died. Um, yeah, yeah. He was he was like, I can't do this <laughs> Big anymore. Big story in Nashville. <laughs> Chicago like, man kills local. The guilt um, ate him alive. Yeah. <laughs> the guilt ate him alive. He invested in Tesla. Um, but uh, imagine somebody who's like, you know what? I'm going to wait till season seven starts to, to check out this Losers Club podcast. <laughs> See what this is all about. Just off the rails already. Look, this is our second. This is my second recording in in, in uh, two days. Same with Justin and uh, right. we got off the rails in I think two minutes in the last episode so hey it's par for the course this is fun we're having fun this is the worst time of the year apologies to Randall because it's his birthday soon but I will say this is not a well, great that's time that's why it's year. the worst time of the year because it's Randall's birthday <laughs> well Randall <laughs> gets like go hang out with Randall I, I do want to ask this and I know you don't like talking about your birthday too much but let's talk about your birthday for a second yeah. in I'm always fascinated because so Sammy's like two weeks before Christmas she hates her birthday but does it work mm. also a week after the holidays or two weeks after the holidays for you did you growing up was it kind of like your parents were like well we just got you gifts so you're good yeah it was um i have a cousin whose birthday was on actual christmas so he really got screwed but i remember oh, he would man. always get extra presents when we were at like my grandpa's uh and i was usually jealous of that but then um yeah i i wouldn't say i ever got jilted on my birthday but i definitely think there was a uh, reduced present load because I had just gotten a bunch of shit. So I usually get like one thing for my birthday. Well, you got a gift. I actually did get a gift for you this year. So it's uh, it's pretty good. Um, is it a Funko? It's not a Funko. I real I learned my lesson when I got you the only Funko you'd ever want, which is... Are you uh, kidding? I still have it on like my... It's like literally behind me on that shelf. I don't know if you can see it. It's you right got, there. Oh, yeah. I got you the Die Hard Funko, right? Yeah, it's, it's, not McLean, it's though. Reginald Bell Johnson. Yeah, that's what I, th- I figured. And it's I actually think a Family Mac. Matters Funko. Yeah, I just could make it that. I shot, I shot a kid. A kid. Yeah, somebody tweeted. Um, I can't actually make that joke anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, because we're gonna get more one star reviews, and we just got one recently that was like, mm, the movie episodes are uh, okay. Yeah, well, guess what? Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> let's start about our favorite episode. Happy season seven, everybody. Happy Welcome season back seven. to the look, Losers Club, a Stephen it, King podcast. Look, by the time season seven happened in X Files, they were like having like fucking genies pop up and like Mulder wishing, making wishes, which is actually a good episode. We got to get Robert Patrick crazy. on this podcast. Oh yes. All right. <laughs> As I always say when it comes to time, despite what Don Henley says, we must look back. We must always look back. So before we shift gears into season seven, I, I think it would be wise of us to kind of take a look back at the the free will and year that was 2022 or season six for us, because it's pretty fucking wild. You know, a lot of things happen. And I think that because of that, a lot of the answers to some of these questions are going to be all over the place. Maybe we're going to be all on the same page and be boring. So look, you know, don't come at me if I just hyped you up for some really revelatory answers here. But there were a lot of fun adventures last year, and I think that it's worth celebrating some. So before we look back, or before we look forward, I mean, let's look back. Favorite episode of 2022, Jen, what, what, sticks, with, what sticks out to you? Um, I think my favorite episode to listen to is absolutely the Stephen King interview. That was just such a, you guys did such a fantastic job with that. And it was so awesome to just see him and talk, you know, and see you guys talk to him. My favorite episode to be on was the, um, was the Firestarter trailer episode. Oh man. Uh, there were a lot of fun, fun ones, but I just remember it was a simpler time. I was so excited by this trailer and uh, had yet to be punched in the face by the second half of that movie. So, you know, that was no. really fun. Is there anyone in the world that has been more affected by this movie than Jen? <laughs> Other like, than people that, like, actually made it and are in it? Probably yeah, that's not. True. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Like, do you think that... Well, actually, that's a good question. Do you think... Um, 
you know, Zach, oh, what, God damn it. What, the, the Zach Efron, David, you Zac think Efron. I've thought about this movie more than they than Yeah, he like, well, do you think he, it's going to affect his career at all? I don't I don't think so, right? Like, no, he's, he's in, um, super hot. He's in an A24 movie about the Von Erich wrestling family that I am oh, he's so excited to see that's Ooh. coming out next year. So he's good then. He's not, you know. Oh, he's, he's not, fine. Yeah, I think okay. he's fine. Yeah. All right. What about you, Randall? What was your favorite up? Oh, man, I, I thought a lot about this uh, and I wrote a handful down. I mean, obviously, the King episode was amazing, um, but... When I think about the episodes that, um, I don't know, I feel like we touched on really interesting things uh, that we hadn't talked about on the pod before. And I think, I don't know, it was like kind of a sign of where I want to go with the podcast, which is uh, delving deeper into how King's persona has evolved over the years and and the ways in which uh, his work and his identity were getting intertwined uh, was the Y2 King episode where we talked about Plant and Riding the Bullet. Yeah. I think yeah. like yeah. talking about that time in particular and those projects in particular and this whole idea of digital publishing and where we are now versus where we were then. That was a really fun episode to research and then talk about. Uh, Jen, were you on that? I was, yeah. That was one that I remembered. I was like, yeah, that was really I think fun. Justin's on that, too. Yeah, right? Justin was on I, that, yeah, too. I was on that one, yeah. That was a lot it just of feels, That was at the beginning of the year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was really early. That might and be like then the right second after that, of the year, I think. Yeah. Right around that same time, uh, Jen, Mike, and I, on our archive series on the Patreon, we discussed uh, the accident, the 1999 yeah. mm-hmm. accident. And I think that episode, for me, was a very cathartic one and a very interesting one, because I think we were all grappling with with like, you know, the, I mean, that, that, that accident colored the entire year for me. I, I led most of the book episodes and mm-hmm. I, I pretty much spent most of those episodes talking about how the accident fed into these various narratives and what he was mm-hmm. going through at that time fed into them and especially the dark tower. So, um, that episode felt like the beginning of something. And I think a lot of the questions that we tossed around and bandied about and the, I think, moral complexities that there is no good answer to those were fun challenges to discuss and i think very enriching and then um i think uh i also just really enjoyed our talking hawkins episodes because uh, oh yeah it was yeah. fun to just yep. talk stranger things yeah i think all of us were on those episodes at, 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 least some, at point, some point yeah yeah, yeah it was on season f- the last season season four yeah well how about you justo what was your favorite episode well i mean the only thing that could really come close to like the impact of King's accident you guys discussed in that you know expansive episode was obviously covering Children of the Corn <laughs> five for the uh, or Children of the Corn four the Gathering for the Lobstrosis. I do love the Lobstrosis episodes though. Those I, are I fun. defy anybody to yeah. find more information about the movies that we cover on that. Oh yeah, Patreon we did exclusive. Firestarter two rekindled. I think oh, we're the we sure only did. people in the world that have ever talked about that. And we Three went. Hours, I, think. I think what Jen yeah. and I. We how many hours did we spend on that website? Oh for, yeah, countless. Jesus Christ! Oh, that was a lot of fun. But yeah. uh, seriously, um, I think it was the trifecta of one was doing fairy tale was a lot of fun. That was the first yeah. time I led a book episode King specific in, in a few years. Actually, as much as we were kind of indifferent on the book, ultimately it was. I think it was still a great conversation. Yeah, 100% dissecting it. I agree. Uh, especially because of the build-up to that book the whole year, really. And then I loved the launch of the the Crichton cast. Yes. Um, and talking oh, about yeah. Drama the Strain and the Talkin' Hawkins. And I really lo- I did lead a ghost story earlier this year. Did we do that right before Peter Straw passed away, or was that right after he passed away? I think, I think it was before. It was, it was right, right before. before. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah. I had the first time I read that book, and I really did like that a lot, so... It was a fun year this year. There's a lot of different. It was a. It was diverse. I think it wasn't just, you know, business as usual. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, I'm. Cl- I'm glad you mentioned the ghost story one because that was a lot. Like, and I 
I remember thinking like, oh, this would be fun to do. And I didn't really look at the word count for the book. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this is a really long book. This is supposed to be our month when we didn't do book episode. And and then I got really into it. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm really proud of that episode. I think we we killed it on that one. And it was so weird too, because I, I felt like I got a little overshadowed because it happened right, right when the King interview popped up. And so it was like, oh, yeah. we delivered this amazing up and then it was like, oh, we got King. <laughs> we, we threw it on. And then like the next week, the ghost story episode pops in and it was like, Oh yeah, we did this one too, but yeah. it's like it's well, a really it's cool. Always be there for people to go exactly. To go to it. Um, but I, I, for me, it's um, I don't, I can't stress enough how much work goes into these long watch episodes, and mm. the the shining one especially. Like it literally almost killed me, um, because I I just kept at. I, I mean, it really felt like I was in like a Kubrick uh, production because I was just I kept adding more and more pages. Like I. One of these days, I'll upload all the the notes from these episodes on like Patreon or something like that, just because they're they're fun to look at and there's so much research that's in there and a lot of stuff didn't actually make it in the episode, especially the the, the shining one, which we had Jed Shepard on, uh, you know, the co-writer and uh, co-producer of um, you know Dashcam and and uh, host, and he was so game to just keep talking and going into this maze of the shining because he loves it so much and we just had such a good time and. I'll never forget like having to postpone it because I had taken a gummy by accident and it was supposed to be a CBD gummy and it wasn't. And then I lost my mind. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. You thought, yeah. What's the difference between what you took and what you thought it was? Well, the thing is they have gummies, but the thing is is that sometimes the, the THC can be a little higher or it could be just higher. And the one I got that it was like a newer CBD and it was just a little too more too intense. And then I also really didn't read it fast because usually you just take a gummy and that's good. But this one said, oh, tear it in half, which was like, what? And so anyway, bad night for me, really bad night. One of the worst nights I've had in a while. And um, but Joe was really cool to like kind of push it back. And it honestly gave me more time to even add, add more. And I remember Flieger like was at one point is like, dude, you got to stop. Like this is getting a little <laughs> out of hand and everyone, but it was like really cool. Cause everyone delivered, like just came in and just delivered like, like Fleer had all the stuff about all the, the, the weird theories and Rachel just fucking killed it with like all the music that that's in that movie. And Jed was really patient about it. So I'm really happy about the shining. And then on that, on the flip side, like I also really love the dead zone. Like it's my favorite, it's become my favorite Stephen King movie. Really? Like at this point, I, I was, it was really hyped up about that. Cause I, I wanted to, you know, you know, really kind of hit the, you, when you love something, you it's, it's almost so, so much, it's almost tougher to do the episode sometimes mm-hmm. because you, you constantly uh, second guess everything. And I, I don't know, I was really proud of that episode and I thought everyone on it, I mean, Randall, you were on the episode, Mel was on the episode, yeah. Gretchen Felker Martin was on it. And like, I just think we had a really fun discussion. I think we went to some really interesting places and, um, it's weird because the anniversary is this year. So maybe we'll plug it some more. I mean, obviously we'll plug it some more, but yeah, the, the long watch ones are great. I know, run it back, just keep doing it. The um, longer watch or something. The longer watch. <laughs> End um, of watch. Yeah, End yeah. Of watch. But really love that, and the miss was fun, and we're going to be doing a lot of uh, long watches this, this, this year too, so it's definitely become my favorite series that we've done beyond um, Patreon stuff. But okay, I think this will be an interesting answer here too. Um, breeziest King Reed of 2022. And now I'm going to Randall because he just came away, came off the dark tower <laughs> run. <laughs> so I'm very interested to see what your answer is going to be here for, for breeziest read of 2022. Yeah. This was sort of the year of laborious reads, to be honest. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I was reading, I was doing Dreamcatcher, black house, uh, from a Buick eight. Um, and, uh, 
obviously the three Dark Tower books and then on writing as well. I mean, on writing was probably the breeziest read. It's a pretty mm-hmm. quick one. And especially the first half of the book, you know, where King's talking about his upbringing, that, that goes down very easy and it's so lovely. Um, but when I was thinking about it, I was kind of like, well, it was sort of the first half of Dreamcatcher because I was reading it and I was like, I was like, this is so much better than I remember. It's better than its reputation. And like, it's flying by. And I love so much about this. And then you kind of get to the last half. And Mm. then I was like, I'd say it took me like five times as long to read the last half than it did to read the first half. Uh, But I'll also say that we did Everything's Eventual as well. And I think those a lot of those (sighs) stories went down real smooth. So I think those were that was and then those were all written kind of before this period. So I think this was, you know, I think this was a period where King was writing a lot. And, you know, obviously he was going through a lot of heavy existential uh, questions and he was obsessed with death. And that's evident in all of these books that came out this past year. So I I love all the episodes that we produced. But, you know, I felt like every one we were talking about really heavy shit, uh, especially like from a view of gate and Dreamcatcher and obviously the Dark Tower. So it was it was an exhausting year in a lot of ways. But yeah, yeah. Justo, what about you? I mean, you you kind of tackled some big ones this year too. Uh, I did, but I story, think fairy one that tale. you didn't mention. This has nothing to do even with quality, although I actually did. This might have been my favorite Stephen King book that came out last year. As a matter of fact, I think it was, and it was uh, Gwendy's Final Task. That was yeah. a pretty breezy. Mm. Read, it was really I good. Thought. It was good. I thought it was good. I thought it landed. Yeah, I liked it. It's still pretty long though, isn't it? I, I mean, it's no, the longest, not really. but for a King it's, book, it's pretty short. Between yeah, two I mean, and three hundred, I think, right? Yeah, it's, like, it's longer it than its predecessor, three. but also yeah, infinitely maybe. better than its predecessor, in my, in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was that was probably the breeziest of the ones. Even the, even the episodes I wasn't on, if I had never read the book before, I made sure to read along. But I think Gwendy's Final Task was easily the, if not the best one, then the breeziest one. Yeah, it's easy to forget about because that one was right in the early, what, it was March? Like January, February, I think. In February, yeah. 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 Jen, what about you? What was, it, what was the breeziest for you? Um, I think mine was Everything's Eventual. Yeah. I love that book. Um, and it was like I listened to most of it too, and it was some of my favorite audio fiction. Stephen King reads a lot of it. I talked a lot about that on the episode because that was really when I fell in love with audiobooks was listening to 1408 and um the Lunch at the Gotham Cafe and just listening to those again. It's just it was such a treat. And I just I really love that collection. I think I gave it five noses too. Yeah. That yeah. that was that was probably my favorite read of of last year just because i mean i i remember texting randall when i finished 1408 and i was like i am like i can't move <laughs> like i'm so yeah. scared like that, that that one really got like got me um and that that was just a i had to actually temper i think i like the girl you know who loved tom gordon the year before i had to pump the brakes because i was going through them so fast that i was like all right we're still far away from recording that i don't mm. want to finish it too much so yeah. i needed yeah. to be fresh in my ear so i, I also love buick eight i was really shocked by that like i thought you know i'd heard so much about how people you know it was a divisive book but i really did you know dig it i, I really actually like the procedure a- aspect of it where it kind of you know does a lot of the same things and stuff but um i know those two books are the ones i keep thinking about especially they're just images from both books that I, that keep floating in my head um, right now, and I, and I, I actually could see myself going back and rereading those. I don't know if I could say that for a lot of them. Well, like it's on writing, I could probably go back to read. Now, this next one, I want to bet. And if I'm, I'm not a betting man, yeah. but I would bet that we all have the same answer for this. But toughest King read of 2022, uh, Justo. Uh, I think. What, what, what would you say it is? It was probably fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I would say. That's what I. Got. Now, I, I, mean, I never would have thought that 
you know, four months ago, because having just, you know, also read Dreamcatcher. But <laughs> I really do think it was a tougher, I think it was more disappointing mm-hmm. yeah. than it was. Because even Dreamcatcher, when I started it 20 years ago, I knew what was going to be happening when I finally finished it. You know, I, you know, I, was, I was not expecting the best. But I, I think, again, I think the fairy tale starts off so well. And it just, almost like Dreamcatcher, honestly, it starts off really well and just kind of drifts off personally. So that was the toughest one for me. Well, Randall, you read pretty much every book we covered last year. Was Fairytale the toughest one for you? Yeah, I was going to say, in a year where I read all the Dark Tower books, Dreamcatcher, <laughs> uh, you know, Gwendy, like... Um, you devoured Black them. House. <laughs> like, Black House. I'm, I'm like, Buickgate, like, they're all swimming in my head. Uh, Fairytale was probably the hardest. Uh, it's similar to Dreamcatcher in that it started, it starts so strong. And I really did, I was moving through it in the early going. And then, uh, yeah, I just really struggled with that back half. And I think we, you know, we all found stuff to like about the back half, I think, but you know, there was, there was a struggle and I think it was, it was universal amongst everyone on the pod. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we're, this is the crew for Fairytale. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. does this round it out? Jen, was that your, uh, your choice uh, also? Or? I think Dreamcatcher just edged it out. Like if I think about which one of those I would be more willing to go back and reread, I would rather reread Fairy Tale. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But, I, that's a great question. I, I don't know. Which one you would rather reread? Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. That's really hard, I, I, Jen. I, I, think, <laughs> I think the narrative of Fairy Tale, the idea that you're literally going in now that I know that we're going into a dungeon and we're going to be trapped there. I think for me, it's almost exactly like knowing I'm going to a dungeon and being trapped there. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. like, like I don't want to do that. Like it's, it's like mm-hmm. if someone told you, Oh, you're going to go on this trip and um, the plane's going to like, you know, you're going to have like an eight hour layover. Like you're not going to mm-hmm. go on the flight. Like, why would I go on this? So it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. but Hey, like, our episode is excellent. It's available. Yeah on the Patreon, patreon.com slash the Barons, like all That's the right. new King books are. It is. What other new King books do we have there, Randall? On the, on the Patreon, we've got yeah, Later, we've got Billy oh, Summers, right. we've got Gwendy's Final Task, and we've got a, a fairy tale, and we've also, we're going to have, at some point this year, a little book Holly. called Holly. It's true. Yay. It is true. It's all uh, coming to pass. Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80s movies 50 to get your 50% off today. So I put this as a lark because we really only had two. Um, <laughs> so I guess this is kind of like a Sophie's choice of um, mediocrity. Uh, favorite <laughs> King adaptation of 2022, Randall. I thought there were three. Wasn't what? there just oh, two, there... right? I mean, that kind of says it all, don't you think? Which what was, was the third got... one? I'm trying to f- remember. <laughs> 
We've got. Wait, there was I know we've got Firestarter, Firestarter? and we've yeah. got Harrigan's phone. Yeah, What's I'm pretty sure that's okay. it, though, right? Like, uh, it might be. Was no yeah. shows. I don't think there were any shows. No. The stand. Because, I'm just kidding. Yeah, because this. <laughs> I always keep thinking the stand was like last January, but no, it wasn't. It was like it was two the, years the January ago. before that. Um, Lisey's story was 2021. Yeah. Yeah, so it really was the two of those. It was just yeah. the, yeah, which is... Chapel Weight was 2021. Yeah. yeah, I feel like those were at the end of the year too, though, which yeah. is why they feel kind of closer. I still yeah. have not seen Firestarter, and I've also not watched Mr. Harrigan's film. All right, well, you can't answer this, but if you had to tonight, <laughs> if someone's saying you have to watch either, which one do you think you would Oh, watch? I would rather watch, just for curiosity's sake, Firestarter. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's probably better to watch. Like, I, I, Harrigan's is kind of a bore. I, will, I, I don't know. I, I'd probably, I'd stand for Harrigan. I think it's got, I don't know. I think it's like, it's competent, as I said. Yeah, And I think yeah. that yeah. there's some nice, I think there's some nice shots in it. It's like some nice filmmaking. It's it's certainly not a waste of time. I don't think either of them are a waste of time. And I've said this on the pod before, but I think as much as we kind of like bemoan the Firestarter, new Firestarter, and it is rough. Like there's a lot of rough stuff to it. I do think that there was um, a piling that there was kind of like worst movie of the year designations on that that I think is unwarranted. I thought yeah. it was mm-hmm. just kind of like a like a C minus, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, because there was like you know we all talked about it. There is some redeemable stuff in there. Whereas I thought like uh, I thought like Harrigan was like a B minus because it was just unremarkable, but it was it had a lot of things to admire. I think in it, the filmmaking wasn't bad. It's just kind of like a nothing adaptation because it's. It's and it's also trying to like manifest a lot of things that are very personal and internal and existential, and that's hard to do. And it's a very yeah. like austere movie. It's very um, uh, handsome, and I think it's it's just not very exciting. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. So no, no. I it, it just reminds me of like a movie that I'd maybe watch on a sick day, in like the afternoon. Like oh, I HB, Mr. Harrigan's fun. It's on HBO. It's like two o'clock. I I'm you know have Robitussin circling through my veins. Um, so I'm not going to watch it ever again. <laughs> but uh, Jen, what about, I mean, you're, it's Firestarter, right? Well, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I did, I liked Mr. Ergen's phone and I wrote something about it. And so when I tend to do that, I put a movie on repeat and I kind of just kind of get into the world of it. And I enjoyed having that movie on as kind of like a background atmospheric watch. Like it's really it's a really great kind of Novembery horror movie, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not like, and this is what we talked about a lot with the episode. It's not particularly scary, but it's just haunting and eerie. And I feel like I really enjoyed watching it like around Thanksgiving time, you know? Yeah. Um, but Firestarter, like I still stand by the first 30 minutes of that movie. I that, like, and what I liked about it is first of all, I think Kira, um, something, something. Armstrong, Armstrong, yeah, she was great. I thought she was great. I think the problems with that movie, um, it just falls apart in the back half. But I like that they tried to do something different. I think they took, I hate to say big swings, but like they did, they didn't just retread the story and they didn't, no. they, they, they did a lot of what I wanted them to do. It just didn't come together like yeah. I wanted. That said, I, if I wanted to watch one of them again, it would be Harrigan's phone because I feel like I've got so much emotion tied to Firestarter that it's just hard for it's me. It's more to, disappointing. Yeah. 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 You'll get that great Firestarter movie in 2042. I will. Yeah. As soon as we get the. Uh, well, I mean, I was going to say as soon as we get a good Dark Tower, maybe my barometer now should be as soon as we get a good stand again. 
Well, <sighs> yeah, don't hold your breath on the stand. I, I think I that's going to – but hit the Dark Tower, save your thoughts because we're going to be talking about oh, that yeah. in just a second. <laughs> uh, all right, last question. What is the one King-related event that you'll always associate with 2022? Oh, come on. No, but I think there's a lot. I mean, think about all the memories that we've had. That, 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 like, I mean, because mine, mine be, isn't – I mean, look, I know it's, sometimes the most obvious answer is the answer. And it's having King on the podcast. Not for me. Okay, Let, let's hear what I'm being honest. I'm being honest. I, I, for me, I thought it was incredibly surreal for all of us to be in Maine together. Yeah, I, that oh, was I, mine. I, okay, you're right. My, that's, like, that's a genuine answer. Like, Mike, like, sa- like standing out. That's a good answer. Because like, I, I, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. Like, I literally wrote just that, and then I, and I was thinking, I was like, when we walked up to the gate, and it was all of us, mm-hmm. and it was also even just being with Jen, and like. It was just so, it was just very surreal. It was just like I can't believe this is happening. Like even when we came back, it was just like I mean I was texting Vanderbilt uh, um, on the Halloween thread later, like because he had watched Doc Hollywood, but I was literally referencing Doc Hollywood when I was there, thinking like it felt like I was in this weird like vacuum that didn't really have time, and it was just in a different era almost, and it just was it just felt special. Like I don't know, there was something about it. Like I and I I, I go back to it mentally all the time, so it. You know that that was certainly something that sticks in my my head. Well, but. that's a good answer. And on top of that, also li- literally hanging out with the actual Losers Club. Yeah, yeah. The, the miniseries was also it didn't really quit being surreal. Um, no, that was pretty great too. And obviously, you know, when you've got Tom Cochran's Life Is a Highway, you know, <laughs> blaring oh every God, every we, we must listen to that song. I think we probably listened to it maybe twice, but I think I sang it about. Like, 6,000 times over how a much day. Do you think is, yeah. How much do you think his estate got from us on Spotify that, that, that month, that, that oh, month or that weekend? If, if Siri was picking me up, it was going to be charged for yeah. using it liberally. Yeah. Uh, Randall, what about you? You know, talking to him on the pod was great. Going to Maine was great. Hanging out with the losers was great. But I don't know, man. Nothing gets better than when King laid the smackdown on Elon Musk on Twitter. That's gotta be it. No, I'm kidding. I don't give a shit. The Republicans. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, no, it was it was all the, it was everything. I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to pinpoint it. It's it's uh, him tweeting about us. It's it's uh, him um, talking with us, and it's going to Maine and being with you guys. And uh, yeah, it was. It, oh it, wait a minute. It's, it's hard for me to choose. There is another great one, but maybe Jen will say it. Yeah. Jen, what what about you? Oh, gosh. Well, the film festival was That's what really I was thinking great. Of too. Yeah, I was going to um, say. Yeah. yeah like That's what I'm I, saying. It was a lot. There was a lot. There story. was. <laughs> I know. This was a hard year. And I think for me, that one, like I got really emotional when we went to the Barrens. You know, that was, yeah. it was just so surreal um, to actually be there and to be there with you guys. But I think for me, like, it was the film festival and that was because I actually met you guys, you mm-hmm. know, like it's been right. what three years of us like just shooting the shit on podcasts and talking about like, like dumb stuff and really heavy stuff and really like fun stuff and just like getting to know you guys and then to actually meet you in person, you know, it was just, yeah. it was really nice, you know, well, and you know, it, had, it had to be a load off too, because like you were able to dump the body that you brought in that giant fucking bag. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it was like a gigantic bag. I think Justin, Jane was you enlisting in the in military it. the next day. I think she had a duffel bag. That was the only suitcase that I had. Now, you'll be happy to know that I got a suitcase for Christmas that is smaller. Uh-huh. So we got to do another trip this we year. We do need to do another trip. And I, I, I got some ideas, actually, too. Yeah. But I, I'll just never forget you. Hey, can I can I drop my stuff off before <laughs> I got the flight late at night? And then you like roll up and you have this giant bag that looks like it's like, I don't know, in Harry Potter or something like that. It was like bigger than you. And I was like, what? I this know. is three days you're here. Can you're I tell you, three- I still feel guilty about that because you don't live on the ground floor. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. It was on the third. It was on the second floor. Like, but it was. Gonna die. It was funny. It was just. I was just like, oh my god. And how are you going to get this to the back home? So anyway. chivalrous. I've been like, all right, Jen. Well, I'll meet you upstairs. Right. Yeah. And, well. and we were there for like. I was there for two nights too. I just didn't have. It know. was funny. But that was like, I was, I think that was how I was channeling my stress to, because I was nervous to meet you guys too, yeah. you know, because it, it was well, fun. should have been. I mean, I'm, you, you, you lived up to the expectations. <laughs> uh, you did a good job and uh, <laughs> we finally accepted you. That was, exactly. uh, I think Three I lost, I think I lost like five pounds that weekend because, um, I, I, I got food poisoning, um, I believe or something like that. Or maybe it was, I don't know what it was, but I, I, for the entire time I could not, I couldn't eat either. And, um, mm-hmm. there's a, when I look back at the photo or underneath like the losers club, um, thing with all of us, like I, I look like. I, there's like, I have a sick face on it almost like it's like, and I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that makes sense. And I just remember it was just, it was just a very stressful weekend, but it was so much fun at the same time. And I, and I, it was, it was, it, I, I likened it to a wedding where it was over before I knew it. And I didn't even take a lot of photos. I didn't really get to get mm-hmm. it, it. It just, but it was still a great time. I, I had such a blast and I, and it's one of those things where it's just like, God, I, I, I just wish I was able to soak it up a little bit more, but God damn yeah. it. That was a lot of fun. Well, I had and, a great time. I, yeah. um, I soaked it all up. I yeah. saw, it's funny. I only think I, I don't know if I actually, ended up, to be fair though, I don't know if I actually sat through any of the movies. I sat through Christine and I think that was the only, Oh, I think we, I did, we did, did watch Christine. Christine. That was fun. And then Christine. I watched um, the raft. But other yeah. than that, yeah, yeah because we were, we were outside just running around all weekend. It's, you know? I yeah. think it's because I'd also seen all those at some point over the last 10 years at the music box on the big screen. So, but yeah, I think we were just busy. We were rehearsing or getting mm-hmm. ready for the actual, the, the show that we put on. That was also Yeah, doing the live show so. was cool too. Yeah. And that was really we'll fun. we'll find a way to... Uh, Bring that elsewhere. So we yeah, will. your slideshow sure. was just <laughs> chef's kiss. Oh yeah, <laughs> thank you. Well, it, we got it has to be kudos to Randall here because mm-hmm. that was like mm-hmm. we were like down to the wire and literally was like adding in joke after joke. So we we literally, I mean, you put as many jokes as we possibly could into that slideshow. Was and it like three hundred slides? I think something or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. The, the lead up to that, Randall. Honestly, looking back, <laughs> we, was... can, we can joke. It, it felt like an Aaron Sorkin like, I know, Studio it did. 60. Like, Randall's really just thinking, I'm just waiting for, I'm waiting for Jen. I'm waiting for Jen. Yeah. I, like, I, need, I know. It was, like, why don't we, it was I'm like, why don't we have folders? We need folders like, for our scripts. I'm going out so for like, a cigarette. You know? yeah. uh, we get, we did it, though. The camera yeah. did it, Joe. We did. Yeah, it was At really fun. At one point, like, Jeff Daniels walked up, and it was just like, <laughs> I'm going to go down as the man who fired Steve Jobs. And it's like, it's like we'll get in line uh, with my legacy. Um, Wait, Jeff Dan- oh, Jeff Daniels. For Steve Jobs, yeah. You, you know, but um, I've been watching Steve Jobs way too many times. the newsroom by Aaron Spence. No, but oh, he, yeah. he, he's a Sorkin regular, so it made sense that he was on there. But, uh, okay, season seven, we're here. Mm. Jen, List out all the titles you were covering. If you follow us on socials, you've probably seen them already. But uh, if you've only listened to the podcast, here you go. You get to hear them all. <laughs> this is what we're going to be covering this year. All right. We've got The Colorado Kid, Cell, 
Faithful, Lisey's story, which I think will be an unlock or a. Um, oh, it's like a rerun because yeah, rerun. We, yeah, we ran it for the series, so we're just gonna do it again. So, but that's a that was a really good episode. I really yeah, enjoyed that. Um, and then Blaze, Do McKee, Just After Sunset, Under the Dome, Full Dark, No Stars, and Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, and also Holly. We're, I'm not. We don't have a release date for that yet. Though, we don't. Right? No, no. No. It's probably around September. I feel like that's when the. The, the I don't want to say the real ones, but the big ones come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I keep, I keep kicking around like where it could be because we don't really. I, I assume Holly's the big, huge book, right? Like, I don't think it's gonna be, yeah. you know. And if it bleeds, when you did the four novellas collection, that was in the spring. I remember it was like right when the COVID first started for us. And so, mm-hmm. if he did, if there is this rumored novellas collection, I imagine it would be a spring thing. But who knows? I don't. Yeah, because there's uh, the rattlesnakes one, which is the Cujo sequel yeah. right yeah. Yeah. I wonder I'm trying to think of, when was the last year that King didn't have at least a, a short story novella collection or a novel out I feel like 2018 really he didn't have was, anything out that year maybe 2018 let me look because I remember 2018 was a year where it was like our second year doing this and it was maybe maybe it was the outsider was 2018, 2018 was the outsider and yeah. elevation. Okay, so he did oh. have elevation. So what was it? 2019. No, he, he releases 2019 is the year. institute. Was the institute right? So yeah. that's it. And then 2020 was if it bleeds. Yeah. So he's had one. Oh, wait, what about no, 2016? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. 2020 was if it bleeds. Yeah. And then wow. what was 2016? Was it ending Mr. Mercedes or something like that? So it was end, end of watch. watch. Okay. Yeah. So wow. I mean, yeah. Although I'll I want Stephen King, he's written a lot of books. <laughs> he really has. I would say he's prolific. Hmm. I'm trying to think. 2017. Did he only have Gwendy's uh, button box? Uh, I feel like there was another Sleeping one Beauties. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Never mind. Um, yeah. No that was group. 2017. I think he just has something every single year. He said something every single year. Uh, yeah. Well, a lot of books. Um, which yeah, one are we looking for? A lot of big books too. Huge books. You know? Yeah. This is this is a big year. Which book are we looking forward to covering the most? Uh, Randall, which one are you? Under the Dome, baby. I oh, love I the Dome. I'm a dome head through and through. This is a book that got me back into Stephen King after a hiatus. Well, not self-imposed. I just kind of fell off, as they as the kids say. Low-key fell off. And um, uh, Under the Dome brought me back in in a big way. I love that book. Although that's the thing is I, I've only read it once. I've got sort of big pie-in-the-sky memories uh, of it being thrilled by it. So that for me is the one I'm looking forward to most. Obviously though, uh, there's another one that I think a lot of you guys will say, so I won't say that, mm. but I'm also looking forward to blaze because, uh, I've never read it and Ooh. it feels like one that I would, you know, like a low stakes Bachman that I might enjoy. So I'm looking like forward it. to that one as well. Blaze being blaze. blaze oh, being and blaze. cell. I've never read cell. So, um, and I'm leading that one. So I'm very excited for that. It'll be mm. fun. What about you, oh. Justin? <laughs> As I always say every year, I, it's always the ones I've never read that I'm, I'm most looking forward to. I'm looking forward to The Colorado Kid. Um, I don't know how I never read Faithful, but I just have never read Faithful. But I love baseball, so I'm looking forward to that. And then Blaze and Doom McKee, I've not read those either. So I'm looking forward to wow. that. And then, listen, the big ones at the end of the year, I love. Um, honestly, that, that three in a row is a really strong three in a row. He really it was is. on fire there, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, but we'll save that for a discussion later is on. This, is this your biggest blind spot year since starting the pod? I was thinking about that. This, this might be. This might be. It's definitely mine. It's, yeah. it's four. Four of the the ten here, right? Yeah. So this is this read. is this is where the tables turn because <laughs> I, I feel like I've I've read pretty much almost all of these. And mm. the only ones I haven't really is Blaze, Just After Sunset, and I think maybe Faithful? parts of Full 
Well, Faithful, I haven't read. Yeah, yeah. But Cell, yeah. uh, uh, like, yeah, this is usually I go into these years and I'm like, all right, new books. Um, but uh, exciting uh, for me this year, especially since the big guns are the ones I've, I've finished. Although last year, I guess Dark Tower I had already read too. So eh, no, mm-hmm. never mind. I digress. Jen, what about you? <laughs> Um, there's a lot of really good ones this year. I think the one that I am most looking forward to revisiting is just after sunset because it's got my favorite short story ever in, in it, which I've been talking about for years and I'm excited to finally be able to like actually talk about it without, you know, spoiling it for people that haven't read it. Um, and it's also got the gingerbread girl in it. Mm -hmm. I like, I really like do McKee and the gingerbread girl is kind of like companion stories because there's like a lot of recovery from like tragedy in those and I just think it's a really interesting look at like where he was when he was writing those stories so I think that's probably where I'm most excited but like there's a lot of really great stuff I also really like Full Dark No Stars I'm excited for that one yeah it's really strong yeah um you forgot the the other beach story uh that could be the trifecta Jen oh there's another beach one which one am I missing very tight place (laughs) Oh, mm, gross. Yep. gross. Not so looking forward to that good. one. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, is, the very, is the very tight place what I'm thinking it is? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. it's a porta potty. Yeah. yeah. Yum. Um, I actually wasn't thinking porta potty, but. Uh, oh, well, I mean, it's related. You know. Stuff. Uh, think about okay. It. I, Never I'm mind. The smirk face on. Yeah. Oh, on, Lord. On oh, Lord. Well, should we talk about. I mean, for me, it's going to be 1122. I'm excited yeah. about this one. I'm going to lead these apps. This is. Randall, should we digress on how we're going to break this down a little bit? Um, on Well, you know. I mean, we're still figuring it out, but we definitely are going to, I think, give it the it treatment and that yeah. we're going to spread it out, let it breathe a little bit. Uh, and we're also going to do some supplementary episodes, talk to some people. And um, yeah, because there's so much to this book and to yeah. the history and, and everything else. So because, you know, I think like if we want to talk about we're certainly not going to as, as tinfoil brand. Uh, had you know tinfoil hat hatted that i am we're definitely going to talk about some conspiracy stuff as it relates to the book but we don't want to talk about that in the actual episodes because king is very big on like that would complicate the story yeah, too yeah, much. Yeah. so we're just going to take the official narrative because that's not the story he's trying to tell right he has a different story and i i respect the hell out of that so but i think i do think the jfk like talking about the conspiratorial aspects because some of that stuff does appear in the book does, um yeah. in sort of muted ways and uh i think there could be a lot of really fun discussions around that as well. So we'll be doing some coverage around that, but also stuff that goes beyond that. And um, yeah, just sheds more light. What well, the one thing we... we can reveal is that we are going to have LBJ's great grandson on and Randall's going to oh, berate yeah. him for his great grandfather's uh, role in JFK's assassination. It's yeah. true. Yeah. And that's his a, grandson... a joke. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I'm kidding. We all know who the grandson is, is uh, Josh Hartnett. So. Oh, oh, wow. Yes. It all comes Arnie full circle. I'm finally going to confront him about stealing my girlfriend and (laughs) killing JFK and killing JFK. Yeah, like why'd you do that? Why'd you you do it? Um, Why'd you do it? Why'd you do that? JFK is dead. JFK. (laughs) John Fitzgerald Kennedy is dead. Do you think we should (laughs) Jack Kennedy you up? Should we do a long watch episode on Oliver Stone's JFK? Uh, Uh, You have no idea how much I I would love that. It would just just be Randall. It would be like no. You the the thing is, Spalding Gray style. The two of us are like insanely (laughs) obsessed with this. In a dark room by myself, it would just be Randall. No, I'm right there with you with this. Oh yeah, (laughs) like guys. 
Yeah. I'm no. related I'm to somebody this. that got shot in that assassination, too. Well, not it, in listen, Why didn't I listen. know this? It'll be like when Springsteen had Human Touch and Lucky Town came out at the same time. Mike will record his solo JFK pod, and then Randall will record his solo, and we'll release them on the same day and say, well, have fun, everybody. It would be so Penny Lane, like Strawberry Fields, you know? Yeah, A-side, yeah. B-side. They're both A-sides. We'll, you know? we'll actually <laughs> model it the same. We'll do modeling photos of just exactly look, looking exactly like the, the, the covers for Lucky Town and Human Touch. <laughs> they look ridiculous. I remember buying both of I'll show you these them. right now. I can't wait to see It is so 1994, 1995. I think it's 95 it was when they came out, but... Um, um, that was like 91, 92, I think. Oh, was it really? Oh, uh, it was earlier. But the, the problem is, Mike, you're thinking about the, the single for Human Touch, which yeah. I will also pull up. But yeah, because yes. the... Uh, yeah. Anyway, keep going. Anyway, oh, fun times. Great podcast. Regardless, is, uh, that's just all good... to say that our, our 11-22 coverage will be... Uh, the book itself will be untouched by the tinfoil... Yeah hats that we wear um oh i love be, it he's, he's holding them yeah the human art. touch cover has bruce springsteen i believe it's on the side of the road or at least in a cornfield hey maybe uh it's a uh, oh, nebraska it looks like eddie vetter in that photo hey yeah, eddie he, vetter basically became yeah uh, fun fact this is a true story in three months i will be as old as bruce springsteen was in his comeback human touch album God damn that? It. do you have like a little like uh I don't know. I'm not old. Uh, remember, I, like the these updates. I do feel like I look younger than Bruce Springsteen does in Human Touch and Lucky I think Town, so, too. So. I think I, I think, agree with I that. Think so. you know, I think I haven't not, lived as hard a life. I was going to say, and we're not going to go too far into what that means. That All right, let's go back to the books. What do you think is going to be the most divisive book amongst us and maybe our listeners? Um, uh, easy, faithful, because people who read books are nerds and don't like sports. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> well, true. there we go. Good so point. do you think this is going to be the Latin? I'm just jo- <laughs> <laughs> just- good. I enjoyed it. Well, no, Jen, you've read all be, of this. Yeah. I think, I mean, faithful. I, I Look, if you like sports, you probably like, if you don't like sports, you probably will be indifferent to it, I would imagine. Yeah. Which is fair, obviously. If it was a book about soccer, I probably wouldn't really care, you know? Um, yeah. I think the most divisive will probably be, I wouldn't be surprised if like Under the Dome is divisive. I yeah. thought about that, yeah. Especially yeah, I ending. love Under the Dome, and I think that book is 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 very much about the journey as opposed to the destination. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, but I understand that people really also use this novel as an example of when when he when King can't land the plane. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I can imagine that there being some back and forth about that, but uh, everything else well, will be. I feel like most people don't like it, or most people like it, honestly. I'm excited to see the one person that's like, 1122, this book's overrated and just sucks. Right. Oh, you know they exist, yeah. They do uh-huh. exist, probably. Well, they do like, exist. That's not what I love, that's one of my favorite King books, period. But it, I could see people who are maybe alert, allergic to sentimentality might have some yeah. things to say yeah. about, possibly. Well, they can go, you know, move out to <laughs> Wyoming or something. Uh, Jen. What about you? I think Cell is going to be divisive. I mm, think that yeah. one, I'm interested to revisit that one because I read it at a really, really stressful time in my life and I did not enjoy it. Um, and it's got, but it's fun. Like it's kind of got a dream catcher kind of feel to it, even though it's about like a different subject matter, but it goes some it strange places, you know? Yeah. So I know. Can't wait. I know one, and it's because we just finished reading it, and we're going to be talking about it this weekend. Um, ah, my, yeah. My third podcast recording in 72 hours. I, I'm i very interested to see what people think about The Colorado Kid, because yeah. I, could see, I could see yeah. arguments for both. Um, and he mm-hmm. says as much in, in, the, in the, uh, the, the, you know, the epilogue of the, the story. So yeah, I think that could possibly be the most divisive. Although, you know, 
the novellas collections I feel like always have hit or misses for people. So, you know, I feel like Full Dark Nurse Stars could also be sort of one thing where like someone's like mm, not really big on, you know, Big Driver or, you know. That mm. one's a little bit of a contra I could see that one being a controversial one. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Right, I like I have, it. But Well, you know. I think we're going to like a lot of books this year, which makes yeah, me wonder. I think I'm going to like this. I think he seems like a nice guy. This is the guy that's trying <laughs> to ruin like your company, nice let alone your future. And you think that you could say is, uh, anyway, Tommy Boy Pod. We should do a Tommy Boy Pod some point, at some point. Um, minute by minute. Oh, here's a question I want to throw out. I was thinking about this with Faithful, and there's a tie here, and I actually like this this movie a lot. Um, do we cover Fever Pitch? Because he's king's in the movie. And we could make the, it could be a fun little, uh, hey, we're going to cover Fever Pitch and uh, and talk about the Fairley Brothers, talk about uh, Jimmy Fallon. Um, Gotta I, cover I, Fever Pitch. I remember enjoying Fever Pitch. I like Fever Pitch I a do. lot. Well, and it's got Firestarter in it, too. Yes, so. it does. It's, it's it Firestarter. Does, right. King connection. <laughs> this has got a special, very special episode all over it. Um, a King's Dominion episode. Yeah. Um, you know what? You can never have too much content, I say. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I would I'll be yes, all yes, to yes. fire up. I've seen Fever Pitch at least two times. It's got my boy James B. Sicking um, as Drew. I thought you were going to say James B. Fallon. Yeah, me too. James, you know who's also you know who's also sober Jimmy Fallon. In Josh you know the, well, do you know who uh, Drew Barrymore's mother is in that movie? Who, who is it again? Joe Beth Williams, my all-time crush. <gasps> oh, oh yeah. I love her. Diane Freeling? From Poltergeist. Yeah. Yeah, that's wait. That's true. Barrymore's mother. Well, in, in Fever Pitch. In oh, yeah. No, her mother is life. Mrs. Her Barrymore. Real life is. Uh, um, Google that for for an interesting yeah. horror story. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. Run. <laughs> God, we are going to. We are. I'm we, just telling people to we're Google at that, things. I'm not we're seven years in. The other. We have that seven year itch now. Where mm. I mean, there's some jokes that I've literally had to tell the editors to take out because I'm just like, all right, this is. You can keep. I'm that losing in there. sleep. Listen, we can keep it in. We're fine. They're billionaires. Trust me. Um, everybody's fine. I, I I was thinking about this. Is this the last year that's pretty much like our last like epic year in terms of book runs? Because when you look ahead. The really the only one I can think of in terms of clown is I mean we've did Doctor Sleep already so that's gonna be a rerun kind of like like Lisi's mm. story is Revival really the only one after that 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 is kind of like an anticipated book other than I mean I just can't think of I think this might be like the last big fucking how oof. can you say that when we've got three Bill Hodges books oh <laughs> yeah I forgot <laughs> the whole you know I take it back I take it back the most anticipated episodes. Of this podcast, and I have this on good authority, is the Mr. Mercedes trilogy. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah. Hey, we've books, also Mr. got um, Bizarre Bad Dreams, which is good. And yeah, if yeah. it bleeds, well, if it bleeds, we, we, did those. we wouldn't redo that, though. No, no. Oh, yeah. But, you know, went through the keyholes good. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's Elevation. Good. I liked Elevation. Elevation. So, well, to be fair, I, I did put. Revival, though. So there you go. I, I'm Revival is great. Mm. Yeah. Well, before this, we started this podcast. And before I started The Dark Tower, I remember even thinking like, well, all right, I got to read this rival book because you had touted it forever. And I still, I waited, almost, by the time we get to it, it'll be 10 years that I've yeah, waited right. to read this fucking book. Well, um, I hope it lives up to the expectation. I hope, I I hope it does. The book. <laughs> but you, yeah, but you David said Morris it, does the audiobook. Yeah, don't mm. let that be the only thing you read it. We'll, we'll bring it back on. That's sweater nubbins. Sweater nubbins. That's where it comes from. Sweater, sweater nubbins. Um, <laughs> Do you think we got a great interview with David Morris in the Patreon, by the way. That's right. Where, how do you find the Patreon, by the way? Hmm. Uh, Patreon.com slash the Barons. That's it. That's slash it. sweater nubbins. Uh, <laughs> slash sweater nubbins. That should be a level. Yeah. All right. Well, 
we're not only just covering books next year or this year. Uh, Justin, I believe you got a fax like we did last year from Hollywood King mm-hmm. on all the movies and series we're going to be tackling in 2023. Uh, can you can you share it with us? Look, I'm always happy to head to Hollywood. Oh, right. <laughs> boom, boom. Beep, beep. The films and TV shows we've got coming out. We've got Cell, co-starring a good friend of ours, uh, Josh Michael. No joke. He's in, he's the villain of the movie Cell. And a not so well, good friend of ours, uh, John I was going to say, that'll probably, hopefully <laughs> yeah. we can get him on the pod. We should be able to get, uh, I guarantee he would do that. I guarantee, look. Yeah. You go on a limb here and say, I guarantee he'd be happy to guest star. No, no pressure, get, Josh, for listening. It also gives us an opportunity to hassle John Cusack. <laughs> I know. John. Jack, John, baby. Jack Cusack. Why weren't you on? Him. Why weren't you in? Uh, why didn't you stop by the film festival? Although, he, to be fair, John, thank you for plugging it. That was really he cool. He did plug it. Yeah. He's you listening know. right now at hour, an hour into this podcast. Yeah. He is. Yeah. He's like, I got to hear what they're going to do in season seven. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> Are they going to go against the deep state? Like, uh, oh. you know, and he's like, oh, Colburn's uh, on. I gotcha. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> uh, we got so we got Cell, the TV show Haven, which I believe is a sci-fi show. Am I correct mm-hmm. on that? Which is based yes. on Colorado, Colorado Kid, Kid, but Ooh, also sweet. Haven. You know, we got some Tommy Knockers takes mm-hmm. place in Haven. Some other books, Kingdom Hospital, which is a Stephen King ABC series believe so yeah that was uh an, an, an american adaptation of lars von trier's the kingdom series mm-hmm. which i hear is which i hear that is, is very good and then i guess is it back-to-back long watches apparently on cujo and christine 1983 good year for stephen king great Jesus year Christ. it's a great year yeah that'd be a good episode to debate the best year for stephen king mm-hmm. in terms of movies and books combined that'd be a good episode probably 2022 <laughs> this is the year, folks. And I'll tell you why in a my couple favorite seconds novel, here. My favorite novel and yeah. my favorite King adaptations all in 2022. Um, anyway. And two great ones to come. Um, <laughs> then Under the Dome, the series, which I'll be very curious to see how that gets covered because I'm not sure how much I'll be partaking in that. Mm. Yeah, I'll probably have to do that one. I, I, I stuck around for at least one season, unfortunately. Yeah, I did a uh, season of it. I watched a lot of it and then I said, oh, this is CBS. <laughs> got hank from uh breaking bad in it though so it that's pretty cool it, yeah good casting yeah sex okay, and then um <laughs> sex gifts yeah wait how did you say it? no stars it's, i said uh, sex gifts no no but just 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 you, you had a little inflection on that when you did it like sex gifts okay like <laughs> i don't remember sex gifts sex gifts it's sex, sex gifts. gifts no it's Jeff, i would like, say i always do the hard g on gifts. yeah it's not that though so it's sex okay gifts. that's a whole other All podcast right. i guess <laughs> um, sex goofs then we got Big Driver starring Maria Bello. Adam Driver. Baby Driver. He is a big driver, though, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He is. Yeah. He's, he's a big driver, old. isn't he, folks? In 65, he's going to be a big a driver. Hey, yo. <laughs> With some big dinosaurs. Well, well, I'll tell you what. He was in a marriage story, and we're also going to be covering a good marriage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really uh, like that Anthony story. Anthony LaPaglia. Yeah, that's that a yeah. good story. If you've seen Marriage Story, though, that is not a good marriage. No. 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 But also, if you've read A Good Marriage, that's also not a good marriage. <laughs> and if you've seen Marriage Joan Story. Allen, uh, Stephen King favorite Joan Allen is in The Good Marriage as well. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. And then these are two movies I am absolutely sincerely intrigued about. Uh, mm-hmm. Rob Savage's The Boogeyman yeah. based on the short story from Night Shift and one of my favorite auteurs Gary Donovan's <laughs> Salem's Lot which was delayed from last year. Which always always good though. And this is a we got a great question about this that I think is a sincere question. But uh, yeah there we go. That's it's a lot to cover this year in addition to all the stories too. Look at it it's a jam packed year and that's not even including what I'm sure we'll be doing, you know, Children of the Corn 5. Oh, yeah. You know, it's going to sure, happen. You know, these are the, the classic Random Patreon stuff. apps. Well, we are running out because 
Oh Jesus! We, <laughs> no, tired. we are running. We, we are we are legitimately running out of uh, of Stephen King sequels to cover. I mean, we haven't gone to the Mangler yet, which you know, God willing, because the Mangler one not great. Uh, mm. But I mean, the Mangler one is so not good that like we debate. We we got some heat from Brian Burnett actually because he was like, because I was like, well, maybe we do the lobstrosities on the Mangler, and he was like, no, that's an actual adaptation of the, the original source material. So I don't think he's it not wrong. He's, he's not, not it's, wrong, it's Toby Hooper. but it's, it's so, it, yeah, it's Isn't just not really? good. Yeah. He's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Robert anyway. England in that too. Yeah. yeah. He's Mr. Mangler. I think. He plays Mr. Mr. Mangler. Mangler yeah. yeah. You got England, Hooper and King and it just, you know, things happen. But you, but you closed out. Sometimes they come back again or for more for in December. And then oh. we also already, we did Firestarter too, so we don't have any more Firestarters Mike, to Mike, I think you're seriously underestimating the fact that you could do a year's worth of episodes for Patreon on the Children of the Corn sequence. I know, but that's it. Yeah. It's, it's just Corn and Mangler, I think. is. Are you is forgetting left. that we also opened up Lobstrosities to include Casper Van D movies? Well, I'm glad you... Tarzan? I, I, I was up? literally <laughs> setting you up for this because I, I came across a press release today that Casper's back with uh, not only not one, but two movies. So we got a lot more. Uh, and they're marketing the them like, at the same time. Yeah, Starship like, Four and Five. Here's what Casper's up to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I There's love one him, that's, man. I'm, yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. Hey, let's his daughter's do it. is blowing up too right now. Yeah, yeah, his daughter was on Stranger Things. Yeah, she was great. They, in the 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 Duffers regretted killing her, like they were, you know, because they didn't kill anyone else in the show. So they should have killed you know. at least seven other people before they killed off the people they killed off on the season. I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. Huge mm-hmm. Jesus. That's what happens. Right. You, listen, that's what happens when you drop episodes at the same time. I know. Can't, well, can't, uh, do anything. So looking at that slate. What would you say is a film that you're the most excited to either see or revisit? Uh, Jen, what about you? Vroom, vroom. I want to see uh, Christine again. I'm really yeah. excited about that mm. one. Yeah. And Cujo, that one was one that I have not watched a lot. Um, like I may have only seen it one time through because it really freaks me out. Um, so yeah, I'd be excited to visit that one. Yeah, I'm much more, I think, excited about the book list than I am the film list this year. Yeah, no, you know? no films Fair are enough. tough. Although I will say, like you, I am very excited for Cujo because mm. I, I, first off, I really like that book, but I really do like that movie a lot. And I think that there's a lot to explore there. So um excited. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we can get Dee Wallace in the pod. That'd be awesome. You know, it's oh, one, yeah. of, one of King's favorite performances. So it'd be great she, to talk that's to That's a legitimate, it. like, incredibly strong performance. You, yeah. you feel mm-hmm. the what she's going through in that. I yeah. can't imagine anybody else but her doing that movie. Like, that would be a tough movie to, to redo, not just because of the effects and God knows what they would have to do with the dog. Randall, yeah. don't listen. But um, trust me, I will not be on that episode. I mean, who are you gonna what's, get? Like you know, Kate Bosworth or something like that to do the role. I mean, what's, what's, I saw I, I was think... in high school. I read the book when I was in high school. I'm good. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know the story. Yeah, it's, okay. it's fucking fantastic. But I can't. Yeah. Well, you're it's, out. Yeah, on... It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. You're out on Kuja. What are you in on then? Christine. Oh, uh, I'm in deep. on Christine. I'm in on Rob Savage's The Bojeman. Yeah. Love Bozeman. Uh, I'll be watching Max. Kingdom Hospital, uh, and which we were supposed to do last year, and we appreciate it. It was a very busy year, and that's what, it's uh-huh. a series. So, yeah. uh, And I'm also excited for Haven because I like the idea that we have for how we're going to cover it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's where I'm at. All right. Well, you listed half of them, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, very diplomatic. So, yeah, I like them all. Yeah. Well, just I like out, them all. I kind of like them all. You already said that you're pretty excited for uh, Bojman and uh, Dobby, but uh, are those at the top for you? Or are you kind of like... You know what's funny? I, I, I'm sure if I check Letterboxd, I feel like for various reasons, I've seen Christine like five times over the last seven years. I have seen it very... I was on the commentary for that, and then just for a variety of reasons, Music Box showed it. 
We obviously showed the festival. Um, of all of these, I would be very curious to. I mean, it's got to be Salem's Lot, though. I know Aren't, everybody's yeah. got to be curious. That's though. what that's what Caffrey's excited for too. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, excited is a word. Um, I'm I'm just the most curious of all curious, of these to I mean. visit Salem's Lot. Yeah, How about that. Yeah, I mean, are we even sure we're getting it? Like that's Great the question. thing. I mean, are we a hundred percent sure that we're getting it? I mean, David Zaslav today, I think he came out and said that all the firings and reshufflings and all that shit is like left behind now it's in the 2022 and he's moving forward and they're they've got their their slate but like i assume that means that we're just going to finally get an announcement i mean it's probably going to be november i mean not november but september or something like that i imagine it's going to be the same release date as it had before but it depends on i think if they have confidence in it like if they have confidence Mm -hmm. maybe if whatever they've done to rework it if they're confident in it they'll probably hold off till you know september but I think if they just want to get rid of it, they're just going to dump it on a streamer uh, like in March or April. March, yeah. Yeah. I cannot get emotionally excited about another Stephen King release this year. Like I <laughs> shot my wad last year. <laughs> Isn't that weird though? Like it, it, I know we I, I, I know we beat up Dead Horse about this at this point because we talked about it in the highs and lows and also in the year cap or whatever, you know, some of our last episodes last year. But like. It is weird to get excited for these movies now, right? I know. I am. I'm more excited about. Um, I think Welcome to Dairy, which I'm not sure if that no. has a release date or not yet. So I don't know if we're going to get it this year. But yeah, I mean, I'm curious, and I'll definitely be interested in it because I love that book. But yeah, I just I'm gonna really try to keep my heart out of <laughs> being excited <laughs> about these movies. I know Dairy is. I'm I'm intrigued by it because I do mm. think that it could really be interesting in the TV format. And honestly, like yeah. in an era where all we're getting is content, 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 at least it's given me something to talk about sometimes, you know, like, yeah. I, you know, it, it honestly, it, you could pretty much only go up at this point from after it chapter two. So I, I think, and I actually like it chapter two parts of it, yeah. but like you can certainly improve it e- easily, just easily, you know, and especially getting away from some of the, the stuff that we expect all the time. So I don't know. Um, yeah. Any surprise left turn? I mean, I think Welcome to Dairy is probably the only surprise I think we could possibly get at this point that's in production because I don't think we've heard of anything else that's been filmed or been Children in Children of the Corn. Well, oh, yeah. we, we, oh, yeah. well, we, we confirm. Right now. Didn't we confirm, like, like in our meeting last week that was like, we, it there was is something released, on the though, shelf. Right? Yeah, there's a shelf. It there's exists. one that's just waiting. Yeah. Okay. I know what we get to watch this year, I think. I hope we get to watch uh, I Know What You Need, right? Oh, oh yes. Julia. You know what? That is true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that'll Julia, be fun. we are hands down the most excited for your movie. So yeah. no pressure. I'm super excited. You know, hey, I, and you know what? Yeah. I'm going to will into existence Mrs. Todd Shortcut this year. This yeah. is my year to make that happen. Well, there are a lot of dollar babies it. out there. So, you know, I, I don't yeah. know if that was eligible for dollar baby. You know, we've never. It's not. I'm Maybe that's our next it. project. We do a dollar baby. We have to go look and, and do a dollar baby. I saw Andre Overdahl, like he has a new, a different movie that isn't yeah. Long Walk coming out. And I got kind of sad because I was like, yeah. mm-hmm. I just really want Long Walk. <laughs> I, know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But that yeah. story sounds, we don't need to get into that. We, check out the <laughs> Halloweenies episode when we preview 2023 horror movies. We talk yeah. all about Andre Overdahl. Uh, we talk about. What is it called? The, the Last Voyage of the Demeter, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And we also talk about Renfield. You'll enjoy the episode. Oh, it's really fun. Um, Dracula heavy. Anyway. Basically 10 movies that we're not really excited for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it, that it, list. It, it was the episode title is true. 
it was a it was a preview of 2023 horror movies. Yep. Yeah, that's what it's gonna be. The ones that, and it we, was. that, that you won't <laughs> hear. Was. Everyone everyone's gonna talk about forever. Um all right. You got a good preview. I think we got a good you get mm. a good a uh, good look at what's gonna happen. Let's start it. Let's start talking. Let's start an actual new episode in this episode, which is a new episode. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. What we kind of kicked around when we were looking ahead at this year is that one of the things we missed was us being able to do needful tweets. He's not a human being. Don't you see what he's done? Please kill them all. Get God sort them out. Yep, that's it. We're going to be doing more needful tweets this year. Uh, we we've done it inter- intermittently in the last year and a half. It used to be a weekly, a bi-weekly thing, or no, oh, is it bi-monthly or bi-weekly? I always get that confused. I think we it's get, the same thing. We, well, it whatever. Both, actually, we yeah. did it twice a month. Now we're going to do at least once a month, I think. So month here month. we are. <laughs> okay. Here we so are. Then, so we, here we are. We're going to be talking about some evil tweets. We're keeping it <laughs> slim because this is already a, a pretty hefty uh, hefty episode at an hour it's and all 11. That content, by my you know? It's all that heart net. It's all that heart net. We just need to shut the fuck up about Josh Harnett finally. Um, so we're going to keep it slim. We're only going to do Never three. Mind. I'm not even, even going to read a tweet. I'm going to leave it, defer it all to you. Randall, mm-hmm. take the first one and please try to explain this. It was a big, it was fun when it was going on and I had no fucking clue about the context until I read oh, the yeah. Gazette. So please. Yeah. Uh, as somebody who's, who's, well, I'm trying to be less so, but um, I used to be kind of terminally online. So I know what goblin mode is. Uh, King said, I learned a new phrase today, going goblin. I intend to use it at every opportunity. Uh, so first off, he's kind of wrong. The phrase what it went viral because I think the Oxford Dictionary, which they basically just started memeing themselves because they did like milkshake duck one year for like their word of the year. Uh, so they take like some internet trend, they make that the word of the year, and uh, and usually they're helpful because it like milkshake duck does have a really hyper specific <clears throat> definition, and so does well goblin mode doesn't really, but the word that was that was made viral by Oxford was goblin mode. This was a very popular phrase online uh, that has traces back to Reddit, I believe. And goblin mode is essentially just like uh, uh, being your uncouth self, like mm. not putting up a face for anyone and, uh, you know, basically being the evil little goblin that we all are on the inside. Uh, I, people have said going goblin, uh, but that was not the phrase that went viral. So King must have heard this offhandedly somewhere else. Uh, but he he did say, I learned a new phrase today, going goblin. I intend to use it every opportunity. I've noticed he used it one time on Twitter to describe a made-up show on Netflix. I'm sorry, it's a real show. It's called Deadwind. But it, when I just assume... <laughs> There's he he watches all these shows that I've never heard of, and that's the thing about Netflix is there's a gazillion shows on there, so I call yeah. them fake in the newsletter. That's just me being a brat. But um, but he made a joke about somebody on that show going goblin. But the only thing I'll say about this is that uh, goblin mode peaked when somebody made a fake headline on Twitter of off a website about Julia Fox, uh, the uncut gems actress and former Kanye girlfriend, uh, saying that. Kanye broke up with her because she went goblin mode on him, which is uh, was very funny, but it wasn't true. But it spread so far and wide that Julia Fox did a story on Instagram where she had to clarify, I've never used the phrase goblin mode, which is just a very funny 
it's phrase for anyone yeah. to say. So I thought yeah. that was really good. It kind of peaked with that. Now that people like like 75 year old men are tweeting about it, uh, <laughs> I think Goblin Mode is over. But I do appreciate King getting into it. And uh, yeah, so that's where we're at with that one. Well, if you recall last, uh, well, you know, uh, <laughs> December twenty twenty one. Well, the, he 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 knew he knew he, you're tapping into the pulse of of everything, but you know we, we can't rem- be remiss. Uh, I can't be re- I can't remiss the, the fact that Goblin did come back in twenty twenty one, December twenty twenty one in Spider Man Home uh, or Way Home or whatever Spider-Man it's called. Home. Uh, it, when uh, Defoe came <laughs> back as his iconic uh, character Goblin and Goblin. Uh, and he went Goblin then, so. Um, I thought and that I think, this was a, a, a euphemism. Mm. I thought they were talking about the band Goblin. I would. I, thought, hey, like, I love the band Goblin, Goblin, or even Tyler the Creator's album Goblin. But <laughs> no, I thought that this was a euphemism. I thought this was about. Um, you want me to get the detail? What I really honestly thought yeah. that that was all about. What people were talking about. Uh, yeah. yeah. Goblin. Goblin is, is in is, like the act, like you're goblin like you're, like you're eating gobbling so. oh you're gobbling. oh okay so like, like what or, sound a like, turkey makes right I was, but yeah, so that, which is what the sound i make goblin with the- <laughs> in the stand <laughs> he does talk about something very dirty yeah. Oh, yeah he does exactly yeah yes yeah. that's what i honestly thought that was going on and i thought that maybe king didn't know that and then people were saying uh uncle stevie don't use that term it's yeah funny uh, if he tried to claim he invented goblin mode in the stand well, he did invent go- he he invented Goblin Truck because it's in Maximum Overdrive. That's, so true. that's, true. He, he, that's true. A lot of goblins going on in in King's World. Uh, were there Lots goblins goblin. in Fairy Tale? Yeah. All I know is that we're three years away from the long watch on uh, Maximum Overdrive. I can't wait. <laughs> well, we I'll missed it last year. Oh, well, actually, no, we missed it two years ago because I believe eighty six. Yeah, so yeah. it would have been twenty twenty one. Oh well, three years from anyway. Now. We could also yeah, three just years. do it whenever. Yeah, we right. could. <laughs> yeah, I'm really theme related because of all the goblins. Ten year anniversary yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> There are goblins in the gunslinger. Goblin gunslinger. <laughs> okay. The goblin, the gobslinger. Anyway. Gobslingers. Uh, Jen, we're going off there, the rails. There's no 13-year-olds listening to this episode, right? We're okay. No, not at all. We're, we're, we're all mature people here. We're idiots. We're an unsafe FW uh, podcast. We're a little dirty, which is why we need some soap. So we're going goblin mode, to be honest. We are going goblin, Ugh. and goblins are dirty. So, um, oh, yeah. dirty little creatures. Jen, yep. take the next tweet. And as someone who oversees a big family, I, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on King's soap talk here. So, mm. um, okay. So on uh, December 17th of 2022, King tweeted, Is it possible to use a bar of soap completely until, like, disappears discuss and get back to me so i do appreciate that he is like letting us come to our own conclusions here Mm -hmm. but you know what's interesting about this is like king is a real grounded guy you know when we were in maine he like he gives a lot of money away he insists that his name is not on things like it's not often that we see him like flaunting his wealth and just saying like i don't have to finish my soap i can buy all the soap i need you know like absolutely we finish bars of soap what are you guys doing with your soaps you know well, so wait his follow-up. No. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, his follow-up was concerning soap. Many people take the leftover sliver and smush it into a fresh bar, which is good. Several people put the old sliver in a nylon stocking and keep using it. I feel like that is like an older thing that people used to do. Yeah. I think like I've seen like there are sponge like contraption things that you can put the sponge in or the soap in and use it as a soap soap sponge thing. Um, and he says, nobody claims to have used a bar until it disappears. And King, I used a bar until it disappeared 
two or three weeks ago. It really? was so small. Yes, and the the trick is you have to use good soap because it's like if it's too dry, then it just starts sticking, and then you have to just because it's like mostly scum. But yeah, it was so small that it went down the drain. Wow. Yeah. I, I, somebody needs. Mine's to get always this down to like a, it looks like a spine. When Some I'm, body when I'm wash and a loofah. Y'all yeah. are disgusting. No man, bar soap all the way. Bar I got no my way. moisturizer. I got my I got my my body wash, which is great. Do you remember that Damn. Chappelle show sketch where he's like, uh, where he's like, uh, white people use the bar of soap with pubic hairs all over it and shit. He's like, oh god, it's so fucking funny. I be, for that very reason, I'm a hypochondriac and I'm also a germaphobe, no. and I don't touch any of this. And uh, the only this is this is kind of a funny story. Um, hashtag uh, Zach. Uh, is, is, is hashtag Harney for Hartnett. <laughs> Harney for Hartnett. Um, but uh, I, so I I don't use bars of soap because I am worried about it being dirty. I think that it's because it, it's a person. It, if you have a bar of soap, it's your bar of soap though, right? Like it, it oh yeah, it, it's I gotta do be not your share bowl. soap. It's yeah. got to be your bowl. Like we don't um, even share soap like trays. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So even so. There's just something about it's like why I only use a towel once. So it's like I, I have to just I, I wash. I can't just I can't do it. I like so one time I remember when we were at a hotel, and I can't use the soap at the hotels, and they were out of the squeezy uh, body wash, which squeezy. I always have to get. And because of that, I had to settle for the bars of soap. Now sometimes, and it was a two day stay, so this worked out well. A lot of the times when you buy the boxes of bars of soap, they give you two bars, right? Mm-hmm. So it worked out for me because I used the bar once and I um, didn't know what to do with it. So I threw it Flushed out. It and then the, the next day I used the new bar for the second day that I had the shower and I had to throw it out. Now, that was a nice little parable of what it's like living inside my mind because I can't even use a bar of soap more than once. So I don't understand how anyone gets to a point where you could dissipate it down to the very little bar because that to me, I'd, ha- I'd have like a Mulholland Drive fucking aneurysm or like, you know, just sitting there, you know. So like you, you have three hundred and like sixty five bars of soap. A, a no, year? I use no, a, I use, use li- the squeeze. I use the liquid one. Yeah. Okay, the liquid Here's one. Yeah, the yeah thing. that's great. This stuff, is yeah. why I stopped using the liquid soap because it takes so long for me to get all the soap out of the loofah thing that I was afraid I wasn't getting it all out, and that's where the bacteria is growing. That is mm. true. Yeah. The the soap like soap cannot harbor bacteria because it's soapy. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's science. Okay. Well, maybe maybe yeah. one of these days you'll hear. Um, that I actually I, I, I use the bar of soap. It'll be <laughs> like in Goodwill Hunting. You know, you know. One of these mm. days, I wish that I, had, you know, I didn't see bar of soap. <laughs> <laughs> damn, he stole my bar of soap. Yeah, damn, he stole. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah. All right. Well, has anyone seen Soap Dish? Funny movie. Robert. I, I start, love I that started, movie so oh, really? much. Maybe I I, it. did I watch it too late in life, Jen? Yeah, I, was, I watched I, it a billion times when I was like. 10. I saw it in see. theaters. I saw it at the show. Yeah. How in the hell? My cousins took me. It was a weekday. I Were remember you like seeing four it. years old? Four years old seeing Soap Dish? No, I was, was six. Like 90, I was six. Wasn't it? it was nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah, I was six years yeah. old. You were oh. five years old when you saw it. Yeah, it's the first time I ever saw Kevin Klein in anything. Oh my I god! Think it might have been a September. Oh let god! Me, <laughs> let me look and see when Soap Dish was uh, was released. It was nineteen ninety one actually, so I would have been six at the very least, six years old, and it was released. Un- actually, so I was only six. I was so. seeing like fucking Five Goes West. You're out here seeing Soap oh, Dish, you know? And hey, I'm older than you. Uh, the, the, the beautiful days when Michael Hoffman. Oh, weird. Michael Hoffman? Who the fuck is that? Uh oh. You don't know Michael is. Hoffman? I don't know Michael Hoffman. Um, is that like he played Dennis movie? in the Christine movie. <laughs> Keith no, he Gordon didn't. That's, that's, not even, that's not even. 
I know. Anyway, what, what a wonderful era where you could have a movie like Soap Dish come out on May 31st, 1991. Now you have to have like Spider-Man Home 2 or something. But What are you talking um, about? Soap Dish sucks. Yeah, I, I tried like watching dish. it. I got 15 oh, minutes in a couple so years ago. It's a fun and I, movie. I couldn't do it. Fun couldn't movie. do it. I love yeah, it. Well, maybe just, you didn't have the element. So, maybe Spider-Man <laughs> Home. <laughs> that and be Joe Black. I can't yeah. do it. Uh, well, Justin, you do have the element here because I, I know do. that you're a big, big Cormac McCarthy head. So uh, why don't you yes, take a, take the next tweet here? Stephen King tweeted on December 28th. If Taylor Sheridan made a film out of Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian, I'd see that fucker six times. So who is Taylor Sheridan? Yeah, it's a great question. Taylor Sheridan was the former sheriff on the first two seasons of <laughs> Sons of Anarchy. True story. <laughs> And he became disillusioned with Hollywood and quit and started and really went into becoming a screenwriter full time. He is responsible for Sicario. He's responsible for Great. Hell or High Water. Great. Great movies. Wind River. Wind River, Never which I saw. still haven't seen. Um, but the bottom line is this. He's now extremely famous for basically writing and directing just about every episode of Yellowstone and all of its spinoffs. Mayor of Kingstown, the new still. I mean, this he Tulsa King. He's, yeah, Tulsa, Tulsa King is King. part of too, right? He writes, and he's got a, a show called The Lioness with Nicole Kidman that's in development. It's unreal. It's insane. He's getting everybody to come a, to TV. Yeah. He's got Harrison Ford on a TV show now. He is the auteur of all auteurs at this point when it comes to yeah. TV. So if I but but I say all that to say if I had read this tweet five years ago, I would agree with Stephen King. But now his products have become so whittled down to basic TV in which all the tropes are repeated throughout his, his series that uh, I would not see an adaptation of his, especially this product. I love Blood Meridian and God help me for calling it a product, by the way. Jesus Christ. I've really become a, a, new, a new critic here. But I would not see Taylor Sheridan's 2023 version of Blood Meridian. Yeah, like if intrigued. I want a Blood Meridian, like I want like Michael Cimino doing it or something. I want somebody who's like crazy, well, like yeah, somebody who could potentially like be, shoot somebody crazy on set. If you did it, though. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, it's like yeah. I don't know. We need more like uh, uh, psychos making movies. That's just Safties. my general opinion. The Safties. Yeah, we need the Safties to make yeah. it or something like that. I just I could uh, see that some Safties. guy who's don't get me wrong. I'm sure Taylor Sheridan shows are great, but I like he, Yellowstone by the way. It's a good oh yeah, fucking, like, I've no seen the first. And I like every part, movie but... I've seen. Well, I've just heard that, made. Mike, but I've heard like the second, third season, it's just, it's just, it's cause a wheel, you know? It is. I mean, he does, he does, I mean, he definitely does spin his wheels on a lot of this stuff, but it's still like, I, I mean, it, it's kind of like how Smallville was, where it's like, yeah, I'm not, they're not exactly reinventing things here, but it's still fun television in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I've heard that this, this new spinoff with Harrison Ford's pretty fucking good. Um, I've that, heard, see, I've heard the opposite. Really? Yeah, I've heard it's uh, kind of bad. Oh, I, I, and I heard that the, the 1883 was actually supposed to be pretty solid too, but um, uh, that's fine. He can have his own Western shows, but don't touch Cormac McCarthy's blood. Okay. Meridian, you know but that, so it that? is, so it's a, so he doesn't, I agree though with the 2015 sentiment because Sicario yeah. is so like, he's pulling no punches. Whereas like I, even with like the first season of Yellowstone, I'm like, eh, I just feel like it's so popular, gone for right? The ju- it is. Yeah. He could have gone for the so jugular. Popular. Yeah. Um, today's you know, so, talking about soap. Yeah, do you guys ever use the soap to the very hey. end? Yeah, it's, it's wild. Watch every episode. <laughs> yeah. What? Where? Where do we? Do we think that Sheridan? Maybe King is kind of interested in Sheridan because his output is as prolific as he is right now too. So it's like he's like, it's oh, this true. is a guy that writes nonstop. Um, yeah. The the, the idea vibes. of the idea of running that many shows is ill advised. 
well, definitely ill-advised, but also just like Jesus Christ, man! Like, when are you? You're gonna like spiral out at some yeah, point. I'm surprised he out, hasn't. You know, Sorkin out for sure. I think uh, some people, people have that. Yeah, have that supernatural quality. That's how King is. Yeah, that's true. Like yeah. Well, we uh we have another. Person. I would never debate the guy's work ethic. The guy works his ass off, and I mean, mm-hmm. it's, his shows are extremely popular. Yeah. If I could trade places with him, I absolutely would. Um, yeah. It's just not necessary for me anymore. That's what it yeah. is. I think. Jen, are you? Do you uh, watch Yellowstone? No, I haven't. My neighbors keep trying to make me watch it, and I just have kind of resisted. I don't know. I see a lot of like quasi country people just like in my everyday life. Yeah. Like itching to watch it on TV, (laughs) you know? Um, I've heard it is very good, and I do like all of the people that are attached to it. Also, like, isn't like Faith Hill and Tim McGraw? Tim McGraw. They're in the Sam Elliott. One of the prequels, I think. Are they yeah. really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, just, All right. I don't know. They're, that's a little too close to home for me. Like, what yeah. about Cosner? Also, where, where are you at in Cosner? You, oh, I love Cosner. Yeah. Um, I still love Robin Hood, man. That's a me great Me too. Movie. Mr. Oh, yeah. Brooks. Great score. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hey, Mr. Brooks, the writers of Stand By Me, they talk about it and they talk about how they want to do Brooks too. Um, <laughs> Brooks too. Okay. Yeah. I got to ask about Cormac McCarthy because I, I read the what's the one that's really, really the sad? Road. The road. I read the road and I loved it, but like mm. he doesn't use quotation marks, right? And, and he it still like does not. No, broke just... my brain. So like I did not. I haven't read Blood Meridian because I tried to read No Country for Old Men and I like could I couldn't handle it. You know? I, I will say, Jen, like I I love the road and and No Country and um all the pretty horses and Blood Meridian, but as much as I love those books, I still do not understand why he doesn't use quotation marks. And I'm sure yeah. I, I'm sure there's classes out there as to why he doesn't do it, but come on. Because it does well, take you longer to read it. Because your brain, you know, is why he doesn't? Because he doesn't have to. That's true. Yeah, he can't. You know, he's making them right. do anything. Oh God. Although oh you God. know, because I'm always the one that was like, yeah, the the italics didn't bother me because I listened to it. So I guess I should just listen to these books because then yeah, it matter. You know, let, let I guess the, you know it would be you know, it would be really challenging though. Is that his most recent book uh, that just came out, Stella Maris? It's it's in transcript form. It's an oh interview God. that takes place. And there's still no quotation marks, so it's it's just like if you miss That's one bullshit. line, you're just like, uh, is this the doctor or Are the patient? Colons? Oh no, it's it's I can't even imagine an audiobook on it. It would be a nightmare. Yeah. But, well, uh, let let the 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 folks that are doing the audiobooks like who do they get like Faith Hill for um for Blood Marini, <laughs> Tim McGraw, Tim yeah, McGraw. Yeah, yeah. You know, is he coming in for that? No, um, they, you know what they could do. They could do uh, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill to do Stella Maris because the doctor's a man, and then Stella. I mean, not Stella Maris, but the uh, the patient is a is a woman. They can so sing the go. whole thing. Aww. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the Still, internet would love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it did happen, Sweet. we'd certainly hear about it in the next place that we want to go to each month, which is Hollywood King, baby. There's a town on the coast of Del Sol, always find my way there. There's a place that the calls to my soul, always find my way there. People there are forever young, forever young. And they toast to each other's love each and every night. So not a lot to discuss except for one story, and Mm. one story that we our discord which by the way you can join by randall what was the website you had again that was for patreon.com slash the barons yes 24 7 discord community and let me just say as someone who monitors this discord all the time so if you are on that discord know that i could be watching um i <laughs> i'm on I there will say all the time no all joke. the time well I'm you are commenting but i'm on there 
all the time. Oh yeah, well, I'm you watching. know, I'm watching. You know sure. that this story that broke in December, which we haven't talked about officially on this podcast yet, has been the talk of the town, the talk of Hollywood, the talk of our Discord, and it's Mike Flanagan and the Dark Tower. He, you know, it's as predicted. He wants to develop a Dark Tower series. And uh, he wants to, you know, make it possibly as a part of his new deal with Amazon Studios. Um, apparently, he's written a pilot, according to his interview with Deadline. He wants the series to run at least five seasons and uh, hopes to break into a few feature films as the story unfolds, because that clearly worked for Ron Howard. Um, but, uh, I mean, where are we at here? I mean, do we see this even happening? Are we Dark Towered out? I mean, Randall, I think you said something in one of the threads where you're just like, I'm done. Like, Yeah, I- well, first off. If anyone can make it happen, I think it's him because Mike Flanagan is extremely good at at starting things and finishing them. Which I agree with that. Yeah, one of the best things an artist, best qualities an artist can have. He he makes all the things he promises to make, and uh, usually with pretty good quality. Um, I think, and he's he's very driven. He's obviously very reverent to King. He's he's behind the Gerald's Game adaptation. He's behind the Doctor Sleep adaptation, uh, and he wasn't he going to do another? He wanted to do project? revival. Well, he wanted to do Halloran that we we found out about last last year as well. Right. I guess that was and then he wanted thing, to do revival, which, which didn't he walked work out. Yeah. So, um, but and then you know, and he's always making stuff in between. He did Midnight Mass. He's done all these haunting uh, series on Netflix, and he's got another one. He's got uh, what Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. Uh, and he's so, you know, and he did Midnight Club. I think he was just a producer on that, but I know he was pretty involved. And oh, yeah. so, uh, you know, and so, yeah, he's got a deal with Amazon now. So he's got probably even more money. Although, I don't know. Netflix is pretty generous. So, yeah, I don't know. Dark Tower for me, it's I I also just read the last three and talked about them for a collected, I don't know, 11 hours or something. So I'm a little Dark Towered out. And I, I think. You. I think where I come, where I land after, you know, engaging with all of those things and also considering the, uh, the, uh, Nicolas Arcel movie from a few years ago and the, what the, if of Glenn Mazzara? Yeah. The yeah. shuttle, mm. the shuttered pilot that Glenn Mazzara made, which, which is so um, good. we discussed on this podcast and we also interviewed him on the Patreon. So check that out. Uh, and we really liked that pilot, which was essentially beginning the story with wizard and glass. And we thought it was a really good pilot, young Roland. Um, but, you know, I think looking at those combined with my revisitation of the tower, I think I sort of realize um, I don't want to see it made. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's I mean, the thing about Flanagan is he's he makes the unfilmable King books. He does. And he makes yeah. them and he he makes them with really clever, inventive ideas. He, he clearly uh, likes the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like I said, if anyone can do it, it's him, but I don't want it. And it has to do partly with it being the tower and me thinking it's kind of unadaptable and that we don't need it. And also to do with Flanagan himself, which um, I certainly don't think he's a bad director, but I have some thoughts I can share in a little bit when we talk about Mm -hmm. him more specifically. Yeah. yeah, So I would say that I was um, not thrilled with the news. Uh, but I'm also again. I also have been in Towerland for many months. So, what about you, Justo? I know you're all gung ho. I mean, I'm, because I, I uh, th- this to me. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a towerhead. Of, I guess the four of us for yeah. sure. I mean, 
it's funny you say that the un, the unfilmable. I think that especially those first four, even five, almost read like you're reading a movie in some ways. Especially the way the action unfolds. Mm-hmm. This to me is honestly my Lord of the Rings. Of all the 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 material out there that I would like to see adapted, this is the one. Mm-hmm. This is easily the one. And so, as grateful as I am that we had the opportunity to see the Glimazar pilot, God, I mean. It was like a tease, right? Because it is a tease. That's yeah. it. And not only that was that it, but how many people were ever going to even see that pilot? I know. And we were just fortunate enough to be the ones. Um, I really, I, I really, really want to see the Dark Tower adapted. And it's happened. It's kind of happened. And I do feel like before I'm dead, God willing, it will happen. Uh, like you said, Randall, Mike Flanagan, he's a go-getter. And I feel like with this deal, I'm sure that a big part of this deal... If not, you know, Science Seal Delivered was, hey, by the way, I'm probably going to really want to pursue this, you know, and I'm sure they're probably like, okay, let's see what happens. But so I I would be extremely excited about Dark Tower series. Honestly, at this point, I'm not even sure if I've made my feelings really known about Mike Flanagan a lot on the pod or just in our text threads. Well, hold that. Okay, I'll hold that. I'll hold that. But no, I do. I see it happening. Yes. Wow. Right. And am I hyped? Complicated. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Alec there Baldwin. There's my long answer. <laughs> Meryl Streep, Steve Martin. Um, I think John. I think John Krasinski, uh, the, uh, the 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 Tom Clancy hero himself, is in it. Uh, Jen, me and you are pretty much on the same page when it comes to the Dark Tower. Where are you at? Yeah. But I, but the, here's the difference: is that you are super. You're a Flana fan, so I am. Yeah, I are you like in if now? anything could get me excited about it, it yeah. would be Mike Flanagan, and and. Yeah, I I am absolutely will watch it. I I could see it happening. I think if you're right, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be him. And I think he will do it well. Um, And I think, you know, what we've talked a lot about is my big issue with the Dark Tower is I get lost in the story because I can't visualize it. Mm -hmm. And so I think kind of like with Lisey's story, like seeing it might like I'm excited to actually see it. And I think it'll help me become more invested in the story. So, yeah, I am. I'm excited. And he just like, he speaks my emotional language. So like, I feel like he is going to be able to like pull me into the story. Now I I will believe it when I actually see it. I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. And here, and I'll kick off the Flanagan talk because I've been pretty critical vocally about him, especially in the (laughs) discord. Um, I, I, I guess my biggest hit with him is just that I feel like he, at some point in his career, he decided to pull his punches because you look yep. back at some of his earlier works, he's really mean. And I love that. I love that mm-hmm. about him. And at some point he, and I don't want to sit here and estimate that a lot of it is social media, but I also don't want to deny that it's not social media, but he got the idea that, well, if I can make him cry, then that's more important than to make him scared. And I know that's a, a real kind of mean assumption to say, but I think it's true. But here's the thing. He's really good at uh, the, the biggest strength that he has and the thing I think he's carried on from beginning to end is that he's clutch at making labyrinthian stories accessible. Mm-hmm. And at least, or at least appear accessible. Like when you think about all the narrative arcs that are going into even just his recent stuff like Midnight Mass or um, Haunting uh, 2 um, or even The Haunting of Hill House, which is so complex, like that bodes well for me when I think about all the narrative aspects of The Dark Tower, particularly when it gets into the just fucking fever dream mad dash of the last three books. So, um, 
And he's also really good at thinking through his characters, sometimes to his detriment. So I, I think in that respect, it does make me go, okay, sure. I think you can make this happen. I think it could work. Um, I just don't, I just wish that when I think of the Dark Tower, I don't think of of his his style because I, to be quite frank, like I don't, I've never really liked his visual palette. And so for me, that's where I'm kind of, love, where I think a lot of it feeds into the complicated part for you too, just is that like, when I think of the Dark Tower, I think of someone like a, like a George Miller, like, or, or even somebody like a Dennis, a Denis Villeneuve who can like do these great sweeping like landscapes that you really fucking need. And I don't know if I, I haven't seen it in Flanagan's work enough yet yeah. to be yeah. able to see that he can prove that. And most of the time when I do see a lot of his, his work, it never really feels above television for me. I'm sorry. It doesn't like, and, and I, and I, and even with the, the sort of act, the, the accoutrements of like the, the, the Dr. Sleep movie, which obviously and it was pretty favorable when I saw it. Um, not so favorable on repeat watches, but you know, the style of that, a lot of it is like, oh, okay, cool, Kubrick stuff. And then when it gets into um, his own flair, it kind of leans into this sort of gray-green atmosphere that seems almost um, uh, like claustrophobic in a way. And I don't associate that with the tower. Like I, I associate yeah. the tower of like almost having agoraphobia of feelings of like, oh my God, there's so much space. What am I going to do with this? And so that is what gives me pause. But um, I mean, what... What are some other aspects of planning that we really think that could bring to the table here that like you really think that Randall go for it? I mean, well, um, the thing about Flanagan for me is, you know, he's got a real reverence for King, so he's not going to fuck around too much. Um, Although I think you kind of have to if you're adapting the Dark Tower. He's a really strong plotter uh, and he knows how to structure and build story, which is, I think, what really I've always responded to about his work is that. Um, I don't know. He knows how to, he knows how to pace something out and he knows how to deliver. Um, that's why I think he's taken to TV so well. He knows how to like end an episode, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've always been impressed by the ways that he's, and I mentioned this earlier, the ways that he takes these difficult King books, these very, um, internal or sprawling or, um, uh, in the case of Dr. Sleep, like conflicted stories Mm -hmm. and he finds these great ways to um i don't know uh pull them off and you know i still stand by gerald's game a lot uh because i think it's really really well done i i revisited dr sleep recently and it and i you know and if you listen to our episode we had just seen it and and yeah mike you mentioned this we we i think we liked it because we were surprised by how well it pulled off the tightrope of walking between uh king's book and kubrick's movie which are very i think like combative texts Mm -hmm. and he did this really great job of doing that but revisiting it after sort of the um when i was i was so impressed with what he did the movie itself for me past the first half hour really doesn't work for me um and i think some of it has to do with uh a lack of personality and you mentioned that with like his visual palette and I think that there is almost a flattening um, effect in terms of like, well, there's a flat aspect to the way the movie looks. And I think you have this moment in Dr. Sleep where you see this footage from Kubrick shining or you get these I- iconic images from Kubrick shining. And then when you juxtapose them against Flanagan's against Dr. Sleep, you realize sort of just how much weaker it is. And yeah. uh, and. I realized how much credit I was giving it for reasons that didn't really have anything to do with the actual filmmaking. 
And and I agree with you. I mean, if I was going to see The Tower, I'd want to see it with somebody like uh, George Miller. I mean, even somebody like Nicholas Winding Refn, who these people yeah. who work in big emotion, well, not big emotions, but like spectacle. Spectacle is the mm-hmm. word I'm looking for. And I don't associate Flanagan with spectacle. But furthermore, I think you mentioned that there's this softening with Flanagan. And I agree with that. And I think, um, and this is uh, this is a personal taste issue. And I know, Jen, you'll have you know great reasons to combat what we're saying here. Uh, but I think it has to do with um, kind of an almost uh, utter lack of cynicism. And I know cynicism is a dirty word. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I actually think it's a really good thing for artists to have, especially in times like these, Uh, because I don't think cynicism is inherently miserableist. I think it's actually quite subversive uh, and or can be. uh, Mm. And that's really what I look for in art nowadays. So this is, you know, obviously going to come in a lot of ways from my from my perspective. Uh, The thing about Flanagan and you mentioned this too, Mike, he's he's very into the horror drama or Mm -hmm. maybe the drama horror, right? Like horror becomes almost the secondary aspect to it. He wants to make me cry more than he wants to scare me. And I don't think that's the right approach with the tower. Um, The tower for me is a pulpy, uh, violent, uh, at times crude story. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the heavy emotion becomes layered in the last books which is when King was at a very tender part in his life. And we talk about this extensively in our Dark Tower episodes about his sort of conflicted relationship with those books and the weird existential state that he existed in at that time. Um, The idea of a Roland delivering overwrought monologues about the stars in the sky is something that makes me want to curl up and die. Um, I just don't know (laughs) if he's the right person for it. So I don't, and I guess I just don't want the modern shepherd of sort of King's cinematic world to be someone who's competent but kind of toothless. Uh, and I think toothless is a word that I know you and I have used, Justin or Mike, um, when discussing sort of the latter Flanagan work, uh, where there is this um, obsession with emo- like overwrought emotion and bloodletting and beauty this sort of amorphous sophomoric idea of beauty and that to me is uh is where i struggle because that to me is um is not interesting art and like i said earlier i want more psychos directing movies (laughs) i know kind of how (laughs) i feel is i want someone like kubrick to kind of put their stamp on it and uh to do something subversive with the text um, to actually not be, I mean, I'm a big fan of like adhering to the story that King is telling, but I think there's also a place to be subversive. And that's why Kubrick's The Shining is so good to me is that he's doing something entirely different while mm-hmm. also still telling King's story in many ways. And um, so it's like, I, th- I think Flanagan is very good at what he does. And um, like the Haunting series, those are very much manifestations of his vision that I think are are great and valid. Uh, and he's very good at, you know, staging a scare, especially just like traditional ghosts. You know, I mean, that first season, uh, especially. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I think like, but that's the thing is, I think. And then you mentioned social media, too, Mike. And I think that's just something, too, where I I think we've been soured. And I like I think we've realized that we we don't really like or enjoy the way he talks about art or at least these days. Uh, I think this is an instance where um, engaging or seeing like an artist in their natural habitat or reading interviews with them even can almost 
make the experience of engaging with the art worse. Uh, and again, it's no shade to him at all. It's just like our personal tastes. But I think that, and then also like his, and Jen, you're not part of this, but like his fandom is kind of that part of that, that kind of part of modern fandom, like uh, the everything ever, everywhere all at once people or the Ted Lasso people <laughs> where they like, they just make their entire identity like loving this mm-hmm. person. And then if somebody criticizes it, they like scream at them on Twitter. Yeah. And I think uh, those people are just like, I don't know, my sworn enemies. Um, so, <laughs> and I, so, I mean, that's the thing is that's not Flanagan's fault, but it's just like carry over from being online and that's the horrors of online. So I don't know. Those are like my long complicated thoughts. Um, if he, if it comes out, I'll certainly watch it, but I will just say that this didn't seem like a natural fit to me. Um, and yeah, so I guess that's where I'm at. How dare you? I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I it. Wait- no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Frost oh. Nixon, uh, Adam, <laughs> Adams Colburn, uh, uh, your point, Adam? No, uh, I actually floor? agree with you on a lot of that. Like, and I think that he finally gave me a cavity with the midnight club. You know, that was where it was like, this is too sentimental for me you know I mean I did there are things about that that I enjoyed but um I I don't want to say it's like smelling or like reading too much of your own press you know like but I get a little bit of that sense where there was this feeling of like can do no wrongness and I think it kind of bit him with the midnight club you know Mm -hmm. Um, and what's interesting to me is like, I think, cause I think you're right. There's a visual palette that he has and it's very grounded and it's really domestic and it's very like family drama ish. And I think that is what I really love about a lot of the stories that he's telling. But that to me is not what the dark tower is. Um, and again, I'm not a huge dark tower head, so I'm not an expert on the story. And I know that the quartet is a huge core of the novel but I feel like that's not all the story is and that is what I really look to Flanagan to get is like I want those feels from that like dramatic core and I just I think the real weakness of the Midnight Club was the uh, effects and the kind of creature design and I worry about how he's going to be able to deliver that with like Todash space and like yeah. the, mm-hmm. a lot of the the visual stuff that we see that is not like a living room or like a, a mortuary that we all know mm. what that looks like you know um, that said I think when I look at like where he really indulges those feelings is like with Bly Manor, which is based on the turn of a screw, which is like 100 pages. And then um, Haunting of Hill House is also a really short book. And then Midnight Mass is original. Uh, Mid- Midnight Club is also really short. And so he has so much room to embellish and to add himself into those stories. And he's not going to have that room with the Dark Tower. No. You know, like that, it's so long that I feel like he's going to be pretty faithful to it. And I think he's going to be able to get the emotional beats of the quartet. So I I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth on it. You know, like I think, I don't know. I think it's got a lot, like there's a really high ceiling for it, but I mm-hmm. also don't have, super high expectations that he's going to get to that ceiling, you know, that, that feeling is really exactly in the Q zone for me. Cause it's like, it, it, what it, you know, we all have those moments where we talk about where we kind of feel like disconnected from something mm-hmm. where there's some, some sort of familiar group, you know, where, you know, like a lot of times we talk about music, right. 
And uh, Justin, you always joke like, well, this is the first year of Walla where I don't notice, I don't recognize any of the artists <laughs> yeah. on the lineup. And I felt that way genuinely when this news was announced. Where I was like, I felt like I was in that, like if it was a Zach Braff movie, it would be me standing in a hallway with everyone running around me with a fucking Shin song playing, or, I don't know, <laughs> fucking Iron and Wine or whatever bullshit. But just like yelling into a trash pit. Yeah, it was just like everyone screaming and hollering. And I'm just kind of standing there being like, like fucking Lieutenant Dan in, in Forrest Gump on, on New Year's. <laughs> like I, I just was kind of like, really? Like I, I guess I was kind of, I, I just, I, I felt disconnected from the sort of hype because. I don't know. It's like, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like, we haven't had a genuinely exciting announcement in a while in King's Dominion. And this was the one that everyone I think was amped for that I've been hearing about forever. And then it happened and it was like, Oh, well, my worst, the thing I've, everyone's been wishing on and Twitter actually manifested and happened. And I don't know. I just, I guess I couldn't share in this, the excitement despite having to and be. Isn't that the thing though, the where it's like, it almost feels like he did it because everyone on Twitter told him to. Because well, that's like, why, yeah. It's like the Gerald's game and like directing Gerald's game and Dr. Sleep does not necessarily make me think that you would be good at doing the Dark Tower. Those are no. wildly yeah. different things. Like Revival was was interesting because I think uh -huh. that's sort of tiptoeing into um, something bigger and, and more horror specific. And I would have been into that. I'm but into that too. I think for, yeah. yeah, I think for Dark Tower, it's it's a weird mix. Like, a, you know, it's it doesn't feel like the right fit for me. Justin, thoughts on on Flanagan taking I mean, on this work? I've got so much to say, honestly. But do it. <laughs> when the news first came out, I think the first thing I said was, "Wow, this is really a monkey's paw situation." Because yeah. as much as I want the Dark Tower. Like, at what cost? You know, it's like, I love Uncut Gems, but now we've got Julia Fox in our lives, you know? It's, kinda like, <laughs> it's, it's a tough beat. Um, oh, here's, man. Here's a, let me start. I got to start positive, though, is when you think about it, or at least when I think back on it, I was excited about the Doctor Sleep adaptation because Mike Flanagan was doing it. Yeah, same. As is documented, I do not think that is a good book. I still think, I don't think the movie's great, but I do think it is an improvement on the book, honestly. Um, I think the Gerald's game adaptation is as good, if not better than the book. So that's why it's complicated because I do think some of his strongest work is King related mm -hmm. and it's what he's done over the last few years that has kind of turned me off and it gets really complicated because as somebody who really preaches about the importance, especially if you are a critic, um, and whether that means you're on a podcast talking about movies or writing about movies, shows, music, whatever, is the importance of being able to separate the art from the artist. You can still talk about the shitty things the artist does or the great thing the artist does, but you should be able to also discuss the films and the music independently of that. I do believe that's something you should be able to do. So when I say like a lot of, and Jen, obviously you're not included in this, <laughs> when a lot of the Flanagan stands are out there, it's the equivalent of, you know, I love Radiohead, right? But there's a lot of interminably obnoxious Radiohead can do no wrong people out there. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. The difference is that the artists are not engaging with the fans the way that Flanagan and his his quartet do engage with the fans. Yes. And I'm, again, I'm not I'm not talking about all, all people who like Mike Flanagan stuff at all. I'm just talking about the ones who think that he can do no wrong, who think that his cast can do no wrong. His cast should have the world given to them, and that's a dangerous territory. It, yeah. it, it leads into entitlement. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember which one of you said it earlier about how, yes, you did the, you did a good job with these isolated movies. Think about 
I, I also enjoy the haunting ser- the two series of the hauntings uh, quite a bit for the most part. Those all take place inside of a mansion inside of mansions. Mm-hmm. Gerald's game's awesome. It takes place in a bedroom. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hush is great. It takes place in a cabin in the woods. Yep. I, I, Oculus takes place anything. in a room. In a like, house, yeah. In a house. Yeah. And those are effective. Mm-hmm. Maybe he would do a great job with the house on Dutch Hill from Wasteland, right? <laughs> Probably great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I need a visionary. I need like a, a 235 widescreen person. And, and to be fair, maybe everything's been leading up to this moment for him. That's very possible. I don't want to discount that. But man, I just, I don't know. And if anybody can make it happen, though, honestly, I wouldn't, it, it would be him right now. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. And it would Easily. be him for Amazon. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to what I said, what, five, 10, two hours ago. It, it really is a, a monkey's paw situation. I really yeah. want to see it, but okay. Whatever it takes, I guess. And you know, you're right because I, that's what I said about Gerald's game. And that's what I said about Dr. Sleep. I was like, how is he going to be able to do this? I don't see him being able to pull this off. And I personally love both of those movies. Um, and he, and he pulled it off. So, I mean, you know, who knows? And with Amazon, if they're going to give him enough money, you know? Yeah. This depresses me because when I think about of the era that we're in and that we've been covering King for five or six years and we've been doing the long watches, we had a conversation in our highs and lows about, you know, the Renaissance, the King Renaissance, right? And the thing that depresses me most and the thing I think the reason why I keep going back to the 1983 movies or even some of the stuff in the 90s is that you had genuine auteurs that are going like the, the the psycho directors that you're talking about, Randall, that are mm-hmm. giving us these legit films, like films that are that that are being treated with this sort of serious and severity that any other dramas were being released at that point. Like, you know, Cronenberg, yeah, doing the dead zone. Sure. So he's 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 hitting on the on a ceiling that he would with the you know video drum before that. And, you know, with what you would do, you know, a few years later with Dead Ringers and arguably Dead Zone could have been nominated for Academy Awards. I cannot say that about any fucking film that was released over the last five or six years and especially in our renaissance. So I think part of the reason why I felt as if I was Zach Braff at all hallway is because I guess when I see people online touting names and equating them to folks that are from 20 to 20, 30 years ago, that's where I feel the disconnect. That's where I feel like I'm looking at the Lollapalooza lineup, and I and I don't I don't see the the similarities. I don't see the parallels there. I don't. You might just be old. I don't. I, and I don't. Maybe it is that I'm old. My or maybe it's twenty three years old. I, I I just I guess I just have different expectations for for filming, or that there's differences in our tours these days. I just don't know. Like we we just covered the the mist, right? Mm. And I bemoan the fact that like oh it's a prestige monster movie, and I said that because. I can't think of anything in King's Dominion that comes close to that level of filmmaking in the sense then. I, I, I loved it. Well, I loved I loved 1922. I thought that, uh, you know, and I, and, I, and I, I appreciate Gerald's game and I think that the, the Doctor Sleep was a great swing there, but I don't, I just don't share the excitement well, of this current era that, that I did that we were able to do growing up or even looking in back at some of these movies. Like, I just don't think we're getting the severity and the, the depth and the, the sort of, level of, of, of quality even that we had in the, the, in those runs 10, 20, 30 years ago. So I think Mike, this is why I think all of us were excited about the potential of, of Lynn Ramsey doing the girl of Tom Gordon. 100%. 100%. That would be 
somebody who has a specific vision and would, would kind of go down the cynical route, Randall, you know, with her, the two uh-huh. movies. Yeah. The, and also just, she's made, you know? Yeah. Like taking a, a pretty simple story yeah. and you know, with that and we've seen her work, we know she could make magic with that. Yeah. Like, um, but they're not I making a Stephen yeah. King. It's like what you said, Randall earlier. They're not like about Kubrick. They're not making a Stephen King movie. They're making a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I don't, I don't know how many, I think the only one I can think of, of the last five or six years that comes close to that is maybe 1922. Like strangely enough, I, I do think that's kind of an underrated movie at this point. I agree. Yeah. And yeah. I think when it comes to this, it's not like I need everything to be cynical necessarily. I think, but here's the, here's the thing. It's like, you can't have the light without the dark. Like I love mm-hmm. revival, but for those of you out there who have read it, that is a grim book with a pretty mm-hmm. grim ending. It can't all be revival, but at the same time, it can't all be elevation. Yep, exactly. You need, I need a balance out there. And but I think that at this point in time, you do need to have somebody with a little bit more of, it's not even, like you said, Randall, it's not pessimism. It's just, it's almost like being a realist about things. I think that Lynn Ramsey could capture really good with the girl who loved Tom Gordon, but I don't know if Yeah, and I think cynicism that, you know? is a word that can encompass a lot of different exactly. things. Exactly. It's, it's not, not just it's not black like, and white. It's not black yeah, and white. Yeah. And like, I think it's... um. I think it's like almost a bite, you know, that mm-hmm. exists, like the the sharp edges. And yep. I think that, you know, that's what that's what I think can give a movie a lot of texture. It's what makes Ari Aster Ari Aster. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Is that his movies kind of hurt, but they're also funny and they're also all these things, you know? But like Elevation is a great example. That to me is like a perfect Flanagan. Oh, like easily. Yeah, sure. You know? yeah. Like yeah. He'd, probably make it, he'd probably make it interesting. interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great like pairing. And um, but, you know, so. Well, well and I think you said flattening earlier, and I think there's it, it feels like Flanagan is just a very streaming director, you know, mm-hmm. like he works really be- really well in streaming kind of platforms and the streaming medium. Yep. And so it feels like it's just kind of ongoing and it never quite reaches the end of anything, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's where I'm missing some of the big beats, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know. I think we've digressed enough. I think we've talked <laughs> enough. I had some other questions here. I think we could say, you know, just discuss them another time because yeah. I, I think, I think it's good that we have, I do think though, I, I, as, as hot and cold as we can run on Flanagan in various ways, I think it's good to have a polarizing person like this out there. You yeah. Know, who's not, who's not a danger to anybody. It's just the work, the work is polarizing. And, and I think that's something to talk about. Well, and I like that there is somebody who is willing to take on these harder to adapt stories yeah. competently too. You know, love it or hate it, like he is. I think he brings the stories to life in a way that makes sense. You know, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. It's not like he's saying, "Oh, I'm going to do Carrie again." You know, yeah. exactly. He's, he's really trying yeah. to do the stuff that, and I and I also have to say, you know, we, we read about these great filmmakers and people who are in these movies who who claim to be quote unquote big Stephen King fans. I don't doubt for a second that he is like in the top 1% of Stephen King fans in the world. Oh yeah. There's nothing to do with like, he shouldn't direct this. It's just like, I don't know if, if he's the right person to direct some of these projects. Yeah. yeah it's almost I like, I don't want like Stephen King stands directing Stephen King. All well, that's time. where I'm at. That's though. true yeah. too though. Like that sometimes the, the, the Kubrick of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. Like sometimes you want people who are going to get a little, I don't know, like, like I want my Werner Herzog dark tower where he's, pointing guns at people's heads while they're filming it like that's more klaus kinski i don't know it's like give me just something like really it'd be funny if like if this just didn't happen people are like wow they really talked for an hour about 
Well, right. Mike Flanagan's saying that he would like to do a Dark Tower series. <laughs> well, they wanted, they want, everyone wanted our thoughts, and we gave our thoughts. And I'm yeah. excited to discuss uh, the Dark Tower when we're not allowed screener, screeners and have uh, not invited to the press <laughs> tour and everything else on that. So well, that'd be you know, a fun be episode fine. too to talk about like how do we manipulate friends? That it's like deep throat, like who 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 gave us the screeners? <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, the very time. This was fun. This yeah. is a great talk. Yeah. This is this is uh, this put me in an excited mood for this year. Yeah. Uh, I think we got to sink our teeth into a lot of hot takes here, and uh, I'm a little burned. But um, bottom line, like we do every year, we got a big season with big books. What's new? Why don't we talk about this month, Randall? Uh, tell our constant listeners, or constant readers, or our constant fans what they can expect All three. from the Losers Club this month. Well, by this point, by the time this episode's out, our Shawshank commentary will be out. Correct. I believe so. Well, fingers oh, yeah. crossed, you know. Uh, speaking of the Dark Tower, uh, we've got a Dark Tower detour where the Dans are going to be digging deep into the poem that inspired the Dark Tower oh, and nice. finding the parallels there, which will be really cool, I think. And then uh, our our big book of the year <laughs> is the Colorado or of the well, I guess of the year because everybody's looking forward to the Colorado Kid episode. I know I've heard a lot about it. No, I'm just kidding. But I think <laughs> uh, uh, that's going to be a really cool, fun episode. And then what, what else do we got, Mike? Well, um, I think that's it. Oh, well, no, actually, we have an interview with uh, Brian Evanson so, um, at the end. Yes. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Mel, and I, Mel and I's author series is back, and we've got Brian Evanson, author of Last Days, and so many other great books. He's, he's a really fascinating writer, if you've not read him yet. We're, I'm really stoked to talk to him. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. And then we have another author series that um, is going to be dropping soon. We don't know when yet, but I think y'all are going to be excited for it. So that's a little tease right there, but it's happening. Yeah, it's uh, exciting times, and um, I the first month of twelve to come. I just want to say I can't thank Jesus. all of you enough. <laughs> but, so I know that sounds so bleak. dour. I just I, I just always look. I just come. always honestly. Hey, look now we could spoil it. Every time we start a new season, it feels like the ending of the Dark Tower, where we're just like, all right, here we go again, and now we have the horn, and now we have this. Um, God, it feels good to be able to, to say, talk about all this shit without having to worry about someone going like, well, there's spoilers on this episode. Uh, sure one gonna, star worry, review. I, somebody will complain out there. They sure will, and you know what? It'll be great. You know, have fun. Um, <laughs> we are going to have fun. This is going to be an incredible year along the beam because we certainly haven't broken it, and we'll be seeing you there with us. Over long days. And, and pleasant, pleasant night. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. But you know you want somebody to treat you good. This is the end of our show. For now. Tune in next week. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs>